0: Hello everyone, this is Q of the MJ Cast. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 82, our June 25th anniversary discussion. Today we're joined, of course, by co-host Jamin Bull, and we also have two guests on the show, Damien returning to the show, and our good friend TJ, who is making his debut on the show today. So thank you everyone for joining us for episode 82. The following is a presentation from the
1: MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson.
0: You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ Fans or MJ fans.
2: The idea is to uh, innovate or else why, why
3: am I doing it?
2: When I create my music I feel like an instrument of nature.
3: You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain, that's that's one of my favorite things.
2: Simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast,
1: your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Intro music, intro music.
4: TJ, you should do that little intro music. The following is a presentation. That one? Yeah, that one. (laughs) (laughs) The following is a presentation from the (laughs) MJ (laughs) Cast. Your premiere. I forgot the rest. Your premiere podcast. Yeah, you got it.
1: You know where I got that from? (laughs) Where from? I ripped it from a Star Wars podcast, uh, the Force.net's official Star Wars podcast. They used to do that. The following is a presentation oh. from, yeah,
0: anyway. <laughs> anyway, hey, Jamin, how you going? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? How are you, Q? Very well. Thank you very much. Um, I think I'll let you introduce Damien, and then we've got someone who's making his debut on today's show.
1: Yes, very exciting. Well, we are here with Mr. Damien Shields, author on Michael Jackson. He wrote Escape Origins, Skyping in from the Gold Coast, I believe, Damien.
5: I am. How are you going?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. What's been going on? That's good. You got back from Sydney yesterday, right? You've been traveling.
5: Uh, Yeah, I went down to Sydney to see the Book of Mormon musical, which was extremely funny went down with my partner which was a lot of fun we spent 2 days down there i've got a couple of friends that live down there as well who are also mj fans as well and uh but yeah other than that just been working around the clock really working by day on my mj research projects and um working by night to pay the bills so he's 24/7 man <laughs> working day and night <laughs> <laughs> all right and
0: We would finally like to welcome. We're four seasons in, and finally, we're very, very happy to have our very good mate, one of the awesome foursome, the original MJ gang, TJ. How are you, TJ? Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Awesome foreskin. Don't say that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Four years it took, but hi. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited.
0: I know. So some people may know you from your YouTube channel in the Uh past. um, You had a, we, I've appeared with you on a sort of online podcast thing. Remember the Gosscast?
4: Yeah, right. You've got a really good memory. That was about 12 years ago.
0: (laughs) My lordy, how time flies. But we caught up recently and it was, we did something similar and it was exactly just like old times.
4: Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? It really We made a was. little happy birthday message for Latoya Jackson.
0: Yes, she didn't retweet it, but hopefully she may have seen it or felt the she love did regardless. Re- she did
4: make a little video, did you see? She did a little Instagram video. I did see that. Sort yeah, of to everybody that wished her a happy birthday, yeah. but so, as far as I was concerned, she was talking to us. Me too, me too. <laughs> she probably was just talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So um, thank you for joining us. (laughs) And I think maybe everyone sort of has listened to the show or knows Damien Shields, but we've not had TJ on before. So before we get to introducing TJ, and TJ, we would like to hear a little bit about your fan story. Jamin, did you have some follow-up that you need to do?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I wanted to know if you guys had heard the... uh the uh, recent Vindication Day episode we dropped with Aphrodite Jones.
4: Yes. 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 I loved it. I could have listened to that for another four or five
6: hours.
0: (laughs) Well, it was shorter than we had hoped for, so I wouldn't say I'd go for that long, but we did have about a third more questions that we did not get to cover in that that sitting. So, Yeah, the most important
1: question being uh, the one about her reflections on the Geordie Chandler scenario. Uh, which she gave what was on...
4: that you mentioned that at the end of the show, and i i don 't know what you mean
1: so he, I think she went on um, King Jordan radio a couple of years ago and she um, absolutely did say on on that uh, episode that uh, she felt there was some suspicion around the Geordie Chandler uh, relationship with Michael Jackson there were some questions unanswered she insinuated there was there was you know more to the story than what, what we knew, and uh, I believe even insinuated Michael 's guilt. So, um, not, we- in,
0: not in sexual abuse. I don't no. think that's what she implied. And I think she was, I thought, maybe I'm not remembering correctly or heard another clip, but it was not that she implied he was guilty of sexual assault or abuse in that case.
1: But that's how many fans took it. You know, like even if she didn't directly say that, like a lot of people came away from listening to that thinking, wow, she just said Michael was guilty. So we wanted to give her an opportunity to clarify uh, and unfortunately, we couldn't get to that. She had to go. So, we might hold on to that conversation for another time.
4: Oh, is she coming back? We thought
5: about it. Maybe next year. Who knows?
4: Oh, cool. Well, I'd love to hear
5: more from her. If you um had have known how much she would talk in the beginning, how much you would have been able to squeeze in at the end that you wanted to, yeah, <laughs> to get.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. We uh, we often have like a lot of questions we want to get through and when our guests don't tell us at the start of the conversation, if they're on a time limit, we don't know <laughs> what to do. I think
5: she's just a very good you know, answer. Like she gave great answers, extensive and talked and talked. And if you didn't stop her, I don't think she ever would have stopped talking, which is yeah. great from an interview perspective. But like you said, like if you have a list and it's 15 questions and you can only fit 10 of them in, I mean, sometimes you keep the most important questions till last. I understand that from conducting interviews myself. And when someone has to go, you, yeah, you sometimes just really miss out on the most important thing. Like the whole purpose of the the call could have been for something and you've missed it because she kept talking. We early. got the
1: advice once to start with all the important questions and do all of the, the MJ questions first and then come back to the guest's earlier life at the end and flip it in mm-hmm. post. Um, we've had that advice before, but I've never tried it. It seems a bit unnatural to have a conversation that way but it's uh worth considering
0: it's worth considering but i think we'd get very different answers if we started with harder hitting things compared to them warming up and sharing comfortable things about their history and and more lighter topics and stories that they're excited to share
5: before we really get the scalpel in and dig deep and sometimes you need the natural segue. Like you can't just Absolutely. start with a question that you've given no context. And like you said, when with the scalpel kind of thing, it's like you also have to build that rapport with the person and have Usually. them trust you and understand that, you know, this question that may, if you came out of the gate with it, it may seem like, you know, what's the motive behind asking that question? Yeah, If you've Definitely. really built the foundation and let them understand, you know, where you're coming from with the question, it's very helpful. Or you could be nice and, and approach them very
4: gently and they still treat you like an asshole. Uh, Ryan Loren. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah.
1: I've had two oh, two interviews geez. like that. One of them made it to air, as you would know. The the second one was from season one and, and the person was quite rude to me, but I, I stupidly edited out all of the rudeness. Against Q's advice, actually.
5: But um How did Charlie feel about that? Oh, uh, I don't think Charlie ever found out about that. Thanks to editing it out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> now I'm gonna get a phone call. <laughs> no, I won't.
1: Charlie's nice. But um Yeah, I, I edited I edited this guy to make him sound better. He was really rude. I edited out the rude bits, so and now I'm thinking, no, I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm gonna present the conversation exactly as it is.
0: Trust in Q. Trust in Q. You're gonna get that on a tattoo, okay? Trust in Q. Trust- <laughs>
5: I think for the purpose of the way the MJ cast is, that's that's the best way to do it. If you ever decided to go through all your archival interviews and like piece together some kind of documentary, you could easily be selective with what you use. But, but when it is a sit-down interview one-on-one or two people interviewing a special guest together, it's like it has to be presented the way it is really, doesn't it? Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. And yes, we, we do think there's a very good chance because... um miss jones was very keen to speak with us again so we should be able to cover everything that we didn't get to cover in the first time we spoke with her in the future
4: so hmm. good to know I look forward to listening to that
0: i look forward to listening back to it as well i, I listen to the shows <laughs> like i'm sure there's people out there that create content and then don't maybe enjoy it themselves but i as soon as a, one of our episode drops it I push it to the front of the queue. It's always like play next in my podcast queue because I'm looking forward to hearing it as well. I'm the fan, just like people listening. So, here's Q. Who's your favourite person
5: on the MJ cast queue? Is it yourself or Jamin? It's Jamin. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Oh, boy. It
0: is Jamin. All right, so also in today's episode, you know, we are here for a reason. It's to not only hang out and, and have, um, some, share some memories and good times because we're mates, but it is also to remember Michael on his anniversary of his passing today. So throughout the show, we're going to try and maybe leave a few little natural dips in conversation where we can edit in some of the clips from previous episodes' special guests where we've asked them the question, how Michael should be remembered and then we'll also try and find some really nice musical tributes that we can play throughout this episode as well.
1: Sounds good. And just a reminder for listeners around the, the purpose of this episode as well, we know it's a difficult day around the world for Michael Jackson fans, as we remember back to what happened on, on June 25th, 2009. It's inevitable that we do remember because it's on the news and you know all kinds of things. But um, yeah, the purpose of these shows is to bring you a little bit of company on an otherwise difficult
0: day. Absolutely. Speaking of amen. company. Amen. Speaking of company. TJ. Hi. Hi. How are you?
4: <laughs> I'm I'm good. Um I what Jamin just said I think is very important and why I'm really glad to be here today. Because Michael did give us this wonderful gift of friendship and on a day like today, which can be very, very sad, I I think you know, we're we're very lucky and fortunate enough to know each other. But there are fans around the world, as you you guys mentioned a lot, that don't have that. And a lot of people I know do tune into this show for that companionship. So I'm really glad to be here today.
0: Which we are very grateful for, not only you joining us, but for people listening to have some company. We're so grateful when we hear that and sort of mission accomplished in a way. This little awesome foursome sort of was the seeds for the MJ cast, which we'll get to a bit later. So,
4: TJ, could you tell us your fan story? Sure. Okay. Well, me, what, what can I tell you? I'm an Australian guy who's a lifelong Michael Jackson fan. I think I was nine. It was, I think, 1994. And I've never been the outdoorsy type, even when I was a kid. So every few months in Australia, we have we used to get a couple of weeks off school. I don't know what, if the rest of the world has that, but... Uh, we'd have these little breaks for a couple of weeks from school, and because I didn't, I wasn't the outdoorsy playing type. My mum would take me to like Blockbuster Video and rent like ten videos. We're talking videos back then, video cassette tapes. And one of them was Moonwalker, and I can still remember watching that for the first time as a nine-year-old kid, and completely falling under the spell of Michael's magic. And I had that video, they had one copy of that And I basically had that out on permanent rental Every time it was due to be returned I would just wait for them to process the return And then I'd take it back out again (laughs) (laughs) I, I must have seen that movie 500 times Our local library, I found somewhere Only a few months after discovering Moonwalker The documentary, The Legend Continues Which sort of gave the, I'm sure you guys have seen that, right? Yeah. yeah, James
0: Earl Jones,
4: amazing for oh, I think it's my—I think it's the greatest uh, documentary ever made of Michael. You know, falling in love with Michael through Moonwalker, and then having that documentary, which sort of gives a little bit more of the backstory of his career and the Jacksons and everything like that. I was just—I was obsessed as a kid, and I remember at one point my grandmother saying to me, "You'll grow out of it." So, I'm still waiting for that to happen.
0: <laughs> I think we're all waiting for that yeah. to happen after being told that by parents and
5: people. Teachers, everyone.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um, and a friend of mine from school, it was... So, you got to remember, it's 94. So, all the kids in school were... It was, you know, during the Jan- Jordan Chandler accusations or just after. But that was obviously the talk of the schoolyard. And so it wasn't really cool at that point even then to be a Michael Jackson fan in school in Australia but there was this one kid that I was in school with we were like best friends and he had the Bucharest 92 concert on video on VHS we would hang out all weekend every weekend and basically just watch that over and over and over again until we wore the tape out awesome but it was in it was in long play which was I don't really even understand what it was but basically it wouldn't play in my VCR, so we had to hang out at his house all the time. And I really wanted to borrow it and take it home, but it wouldn't work in mine. So I basically lived at his house on weekends just to watch (laughs) Michael.
0: (laughs) I know what long play is because I got caught with that function a few times uh, for school projects. So long play was a function on some VHS recorders where you could choose standard or slow, I think it was, SP or LP to record shows in. And it would essentially fit twice as much on the VHS cassette because of the way that it recorded on. But if the player you recorded on in long play, then you took the cassette out and went to like your house where it didn't have that function, it would not play. So I remember once in year nine or something, I had sort of, somehow got clips of video or it probably was separate video cassettes where I'd time coded things and queued them up ready to play. And I would be doing like an oral school project. And I'd be then inserting a VHS tape, pressing play to play say like, you know, the clip from the dangerous short films where it's Michael speaking about the children of the world. And it's got all those images of the kids faces going past or whatever. And maybe that had been recorded off an award show or something in long play and then I, it, when I went to hit play in my project, it would go in fast forward because like, it would play at the normal speed. So it would go the, the wrong speed and it would be like a chipmunk talking and it was always very embarrassing. And, and an early indication of my technology skills.
4: Kids, mm. these no's will never know the struggle.
0: They will never know the struggle. <laughs> 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 oh, cool. Yeah, that concert was Pretty much a watershed moment for that era and fans of that era
8: for
4: sure. Yeah, and it wasn't like we had YouTube or anything, you know. What you had on videotape was what existed for you, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so basically I never grew out of it. That's the the point of my story. (laughs) I fell under the spell of Michael's magic and I just, it never left. It It never left, you know. I, I think you guys probably have said this before, a lot of fans say it, but I've always said and felt that Michael was my superhero,
0: I love that. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I love when we talk about that.
4: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, obviously, Moonwalker, probably being the first impression as well, I mean, he is magic in that movie, but it's not just that movie that he's magic. Everything about him was magical. And, you know, I loved Batman and Superman and all that as a kid, but they just didn't have have that thing. That thing, I don't have a word for it, but you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. That was thing. Magic. I feel like you know in the you know in the video for Can You Feel It how the the Jackson's are giant guys and they're sprinkling the gold dust over over the, that's what I felt like happened to me. I felt like I felt like I was sprinkled with magic dust or something. And I still feel that way. I still am moved by Michael and I can watch a concert that I've seen a thousand times and i can still just go wow you know wow
5: i think that's what it is about michael is like you use the word magic and obviously magic is like kind of inexplicable and the secret like there's something mysterious about it and we don't quite understand it we can't quite define what it is or what's happening and when people ask me why i like michael so much you know i could go through a list and give them all of the different skills and talents that he has and all of the cool stuff he's done the easiest way to explain it is to say magic or to say that the reason it's, he's so great is because I can't explain why he's so great. Like it's inexplicable. It's just beyond words. So I feel what you're saying.
0: Nice. Because there are, there is a music now. I think the playing field, of music now, like the, you look out at all the talent that's available for consumption now, and it's infinitely huger. It just, the, the, roster of talent and music and artists that we hear on the radio or on YouTube is just like infinite now compared to back in the 80s and 90s where the playing field was so much it seemed a lot smaller and people like you know Beyonce and Kanye and Jay-Z and you know European artists you know there's huge successful artists out there but For me, none of them have that magic, for lack of a better word, that Michael had. Yeah,
5: Yeah. I think if someone exploded through the floor of a stage and stood there for three minutes, it would just look stupid. The crowd would stop cheering. They really would. There would be no (laughs) atmosphere. It wouldn't maintain it for that amount of time. (laughs) I love that you mentioned that. That is
4: absolutely, and not just because it's Michael, that entrance to a a stage is the most... Incredible thing the, the, Not only the bursting out of the stage Which is just Incredible on its own But then to just stand there like a statue For all that time where people are losing their shit Yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah
4: No one else <laughs> No one else Amazing Imagine Ed Sheeran doing that Everyone would be like Alright pick your guitar up <laughs> Bang There he is <laughs>
0: Awkward.
5: (laughs) I've seen Ed Sheeran, he's very good, but he actually does start playing his guitar before he even gets on the stage. Oh,
0: right. (laughs) That's a nice touch. That's a nice touch. Yeah, I think it's very different what Michael had compared to others.
1: You know what I would love to see documentary footage of? Michael Jackson learning how to use the toaster. Like just being shown it for the first time. Okay, this is what you've got to do. You're going to be thrown up into the air. like You know how like the dancers and This Is It were being taught by Kenny Ortega? I'd love to see Michael using the toaster for the first
9: time.
4: There is a little bit of footage somewhere on YouTube, the behind-the-scenes making of the history tour. Uh, Michael's wearing the surgical mask, and he, you can see him under the stage with oh, right. Kenny poking oh, yeah. around in the toaster <laughs> in a red shirt, I think.
5: Yeah, but he's only going at elevator speed. He's not going at toaster speed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nice. TJ, can I ask you a little bit about your tastes in Michael music? Like, where did you come in musically? Like, you were a Moonwalker kid, so was the Bad Album your jam? Is it still your jam? Or where where has your musical Michael tastes progressed and taken you?
4: Uh, Well, even though Moonwalker was where I discovered Michael, it was during the Dangerous album. And I remember my first sort of Michael album release memory is when history came out. I had the first pressing of the album before it was censored. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember that. I remember the cardboard cutouts of the statue in the stores and, and all that sort of thing. Musically, ah, oh, it's one of those things, isn't it? You can't, I, there's not really one point in time that I can say that's my favorite because really it's so different and it really depends on your mood. Like, the off the wall album is pure pure joy absolute joy to listen to that 's the only word I can really think to describe it I absolutely love that and the bad album i i really I like the bad album even though it it, it is very much sounds like it 's time you know it, it sounds like it came from that exact moment in time but that doesn 't mean that it 's not absolutely fantastic. I love that album. But at the moment, I think probably history is where I go the most now because it really is. I feel like that's really Michael speaking, you know, he's really mm. saying something. Invincible, I feel, is a sort of a lost opportunity, especially considering a lot of the material we know, you know, came from that time. The, the album that was actually released i I think is it's it's a little bit of a letdown obviously there's some really great stuff on there, but it doesn't give me that same level of engagement that I get from the earlier albums
0: Thank you so much if you have any other stories that you remember later that you want to share then just you know let us know i
4: do I do have one other story actually oh. Excellent. Um, this, this is probably like, it's a bit sad because, you know, I'm a fan that never met or even saw Michael with my own two eyes. But the closest I ever got to him and a memory that I, is such a, a, a pleasant thing was I was about 18 or 17 and on eBay, somebody in my town was selling a signed Michael Jackson fedora. Yeah. And it was, you know, up to two or three thousand dollars. And I was certainly couldn't afford it, but I messaged him anyway. <laughs> I was like, I can't afford to buy this, but I'm such a fan. Can I please see the hat? And he invited me. Absolutely. Come and see it. So I I called a, a fan friend of mine who lived like two hours away, but I drove all the way to pick her up. And we went to this house and met this lovely man who had the hat and it had he had like a, a certificate of authenticity and all that stuff. And it was signed... And the thing that I learned, I don't know if it's even common knowledge among the fans or not, but Michael's fedoras were were his own brand that there's actually the brand printed inside the hat is Michael Jackson. And so I got like photos with it and I know it sounds silly, but that touching and being engaging with that hat and putting it on my head. I I felt like, I felt like I was with Michael that day. Wow.
7: That
4: is awesome. And I think
0: that is testament to Michael's magic again. Like these objects, a hat, yeah. a glove, you know, something that simple. I don't know if I'm using the term right, but like, is it like a Horcrux in Harry Potter? In like an Harry artifact Potter or a relic. It's like a, a talisman. These are You're like, using
4: a lot of words that I don't know what they mean, but I'll agree <laughs> with you.
0: <laughs> Probably the wrong words. Charlie all know. <laughs> we should have Charlie in the background going, no Q, that's the wrong word. Um, <laughs> but maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being correct, but they're like these objects of just, you know, insignificance really, but his magic has infused them with a power that no one else could.
4: Yeah, as you say, it's sort of like, especially to Michael, would have been insignificant because think of how many of those hats passed through his hands in the over all the tours. How many he threw out into the crowd? He probably gave them away to people thousands. all the time. Yeah. Karen Fay says that he would get them in by the box load, so there's probably thousands and thousands of these hats. Um, <laughs> but just the fact that I got to engage with one that I know he handled because he signed it. Yeah. Uh, was very very special and it was a long time ago and it's still a very warm memory
0: (laughs) I love that that's a brilliant story
2: your goals just donated all of your millions so they could one day rule the world in this lifetime i want to thank you for showing me the man in the mirror the people see the love, stop this garbage of us us. show him for who he really was. Remember there was more to come, remember he's the chosen one, remember him for wars he's won, remember him for what he's done. 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 remember him for one this time. lifetime I wanna thank you for showing me the man in the mirror Harmony, Mike.
7: Love man.
0: One question we ask every single guest on the show is always, how should Michael be remembered?
6: Well, Michael should be remembered by the love that he had in his heart before Mm. anything. He cared about people. He cared about love. He cared about children. He cared. He just cared. He was a very caring person. The music he shared to us and and wrote for us, it was some music that Carried great messages, and 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 some of the lyrics uh, uh, just have good boundary and all these other elements to it. He was the type of person that everyone would want to be a part of their life. I think some people don't understand that Michael was a different type of person. He didn't have all the type of things that a normal person would have in his life. As a matter of fact, I don't think he's ever been that out in the public without being bothered or hassled or can just hang out like a normal person, that in yourself is very difficult and, and different to live with. But uh, he, he was a very happy person as well. So um, he loved the music business, but he loved people even more. So uh, I think that's how he should be remembered.
1: And our final question uh, for you on Michael Jackson is a question we ask every special guest we have on the show. I'd like you to answer how you think Michael Jackson should be remembered.
9: Hmm. I just think of him as one of the most talented souls that I, I ever met and I've worked with a lot of people just rhythmically, his his rhythm was perfect. His work ethic was insane. I mean, he worked hard. I mean, that's why he had LaBelle uh, up in Vegas in 2008. He just, you know, he said, it's time for me to start dancing again. And Lavelle said Michael was wearing him out. You know, they would, you know, dance for four hours at a time. And, you know, sweats running down and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, he... I remember him taking tap lessons up at the ranch just because he wanted to learn, you know, other disciplines, you know. I remember him telling me how much he admired Fred Astaire and hoped that he'd be still dancing when he was 80 years old, you know. And um, I remember the speech he gave uh, when we were getting ready to start, This Is It, this was a speech just to me, but he said, he goes, I can spend the rest of my life just doing my biggest hits. He goes, I don't want to do that. He goes, "I want to keep writing great songs that are relevant, that you know people will love and you know, keep reinventing, you know who I am. So he didn't want to just sit on his haunches and just do Michael Jackson's greatest hits. And I think that's one of the reasons he didn't do the uh, the Vegas thing because the whole time we were there, he kept telling me he kept getting offer after offer after offer. Different casinos, you know, to build him anything he wanted to perform in and just get him to stay in Vegas for the rest of his life, you know, and he just wasn't ready to do that yet.
1: Wow, thank you very much.
9: My pleasure.
0: This is Diana Walzak, sculptor of the Michael Jackson history statue, and you're listening to the MJ cast. Jamin. Yes. Who should we get? I'm thinking maybe Damien for this. Who should we get to sort of speak about how we all know each other? How are we all friends? Would it be you or Damien
5: that might have? Well, I've got a bit of a refreshed memory because TJ and I were talking about this only maybe a day or two ago, but... um, Damien, well, how,
0: how are we all friends? Because it's, it's a quite a long story. You know, it's many years ago and many different forums on the internet and interactions. Yeah. So, so what are your earliest recollections of how we became MJ
5: mates? Well, we're the perfect four people to have to kind of <laughs> tell this story and fill the gaps for each other because I think we're so, the four of us specifically, are so intertwined in this story. It's like it, it's, it's perfect. Um, so, it's really nice to share this day with you guys because it's the first time we've really ever done it. So, Excellent. But um, f- as far as my memory goes, um, way back in probably around 2002, I was a member of a couple of online fan forums. So, I'm fairly sure it was MJJF.
4: Yes, it was. I
5: remember I was a member of MJJF and I was also a member of um, MJ News Online. But anyway, whichever one it was, my the first ever fan that I ever interacted with outside of having met people in person and just discovering that they were fans was TJ. And I remember just kind of obviously we're connecting over our common interest in michael and that's why we're on the fan forum and discovering that there's oh there's somebody else in this country this huge country of 26 million people it's like oh wow isn't that amazing that we've you know there's two of us in this one country together that like the same thing it's crazy to think about really but that's the way it felt because you know being a young teenager who had only previously had access to his vhs tapes and his cd's and there was no way to really make any kind of intimate contact with someone who shared the same love for the thing. It was, it was really quite interesting and we were on opposite ends of the country, but we bonded like instantly. I do wonder if, if TJ, if you weren't Australian, whether we would have even bothered to see if there was a friendship there. Um, And and it wasn't even, and it wasn't even the fact that we were close or we could hang out. Like we couldn't, we were, we were young. We didn't have, you know, a driver's license. We weren't adults. We couldn't go and visit each other, even if we wanted to. But I don't know. It was this just something about the fact that you were Australian and I was Australian, and it was like a kinship, like instant mateship? And um, yeah, we talked on the forums, and then back then it was MSN Messenger and just chatting, and you know, exactly the same way we still do all these years later, just talking shop on Michael. Um, how we haven't run out of things to talk about, I have no idea. (laughs) But um, very soon after meeting online TJ, I'm fairly sure it was almost like immediately after, I came across Q as well. And you were Q Perth back then on the forums.
0: Yeah. Yep. Before that, I was maestro
5: on earlier forums, I think. Okay. Around that time, it was Q Perth. Yeah. Coop is the way I discovered you. And then again, shortly after that, Jamin. So, Jamin was... Um... Something crane. Yes. Summer crane. <laughs> yeah. Summer crane. crane. Yes. That's... Yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah. Good memory there. Postcards from far away. There <laughs> that we was my go. website.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So, it was all pretty like the dominoes kind of started to fall pretty quickly. Once I'd met TJ, I think then we all just fell into each other's lives and the relationships eventually became real-life relationships. I mean, we've spent quite a lot of time together over the years. We've shared some really important moments, like specifically landmark moments, like big, big landmark moments. Oh, boy. Um,
1: So many of them.
5: Most... Mostly, like, sad ones, really. I remember, yeah. like, Jamin, in, as far as the story of the day that Michael died, Jamin was, like, the cornerstone of that. And
1: Let's, let's go back even a little bit further because we, we shared some milestone moments when Michael was alive as well. Like I mean, we had, I, I remember actually talking to you, Damien. I was really... There was a moment about two months before Michael passed away where he was gearing up for This Is It. Where I reached out to you, and I was actually really worried i w- I remember saying to you, "I don't know what I would do if Michael passed away, and i was so I was so terrified that he was going to die, like in the process of of doing this is it, and I was like, "I just don't know how I would be able to be a happy person if he was to pass away, and not being able to come back after what happened and you and you said... That's not going to happen. He's got too many people around him looking after him. He's not going to pass away. Don't worry. I remember crazy. that. That was a crazy conversation. And then even before that, we had many moments connected to Michael like um, MJ50. How good was that? That was, a, that was an amazing well, all, moment.
0: All three of you were together
4: at MJ50. If I'm, that I'm was the first correctly. time I met Jamin. Yeah, oh. was MJ50. Was
1: it the first time we'd all hung out together?
4: I think so. Well, I, I wasn't. Was, yeah, yeah, wasn't, it wasn't at the first time
5: I hung out with I hung out with um, Q and TJ together at the <laughs> at but the Michael event Jackson that never thing. was. because yeah. some it was of never us, about the yeah. money. It was never about the money, TJ. <laughs> That's <laughs> you right. I Walk me through this to... story
1: of this, this MJ club business because I don't I don't understand it.
0: There was a club uh, forum online called Club MJ. And it was a really, really great little forum. Yeah. It and was the best
5: forum I've ever ever visited, so as far as great. I'm concerned. What,
0: what was so good
5: about it, Damien? I just think it was simple, well designed, and I mean, it wasn't exclusively Australian, but again, it was heavily It was heavily um Australian membership for some reason. Um the lady that created it was Australian, so that's probably why her network was probably, you know, yeah. the founding supporters of the thing. So But it was just a great little place. It seemed to have, in the beginning, a family atmosphere that excluded a lot of the pettiness and infighting that, you know, every other Michael Jackson fan site had. And that's why I always say, like, I don't like to call the Michael Jackson fans moonwalkers. I prefer to call them MJ fam because it is like a family because families argue, families bicker, families, you know don't talk to each other and then do talk to each other and I th- that's exactly what it feels like it's, it's, it's a family for sure yeah and Michael was the moonwalker not us exactly you know yeah so it, I don't know it just didn't have all of that in the beginning and it was just kind of you know if you went on there and said that you preferred one beta jacket to the other that you weren't going to have somebody else coming on there and telling you you're an absolute moron because how could you possibly <laughs> prefer dangerous to a beta jacket from you know the bad it to it sounds silly jacket?
4: but that's what the fan community was like
5: yeah Most of the time, except for that part. Still
1: like that. Except now the arguments happen over significant things, not so much whether Michael wore a wig or not.
0: (laughs) So I remember there was a lot of excitement because there was an event getting planned and people were coming from, and people did come from New Zealand and I came from Perth to Sydney for what was going to be like a little MJ party convention kind of thing. Uh,
4: yeah, a meetup for the forum members.
0: Yeah, a big meetup for the forum members. It never happened.
4: <laughs> no, <laughs> and, it didn't.
0: And ended spectacularly.
5: <laughs> and, I could probably uh, tell the story of that because I was... Um,
0: in a nutshell, <laughs> you can share that story. And people can be aware that these things do happen.
5: Okay, so basically the lady that founded the website initiated, like you said, this fan gathering. It's going to be like, like you said, a convention. The idea was that there would be a venue in the heart of Sydney, um, hired and it would be able to facilitate um, performances and like exhibition kind of set up, you know, food and all kind of stuff and it was supposed to benefit, I believe, the Red Cross and it sounded amazing and like I was very young at the time. It was 2006, I believe, this was happening and so I was about... 2007? Yeah. Okay, so I was 18 or 19 at the time the lady who was organising it had um, booked... Well, not booked, but arranged for me to be one of the performers along with another guy called Paul Rizzo, who's a, you know, a very nice guy living in uh, Melbourne, a Michael Jackson, a tribute artist.
0: Yeah, legendary Australian tribute artist. He's very, great, yeah, very, very, very
5: well-known for his craft. He's very good at what he does. And he's a very nice guy. At the, at the base of it all, he's just a, a nice guy. And um, so, he'd been you know, booked to perform and I was booked to perform and, you know, I was friends with all of you guys and we were all going to go. It was like, you know, a great way that we could just come together and celebrate and I started asking some questions because I was trying to plan my performance and I was just kind of trying to get a gauge of, you know, how big is the stage going to be and, you know, what's the facility and what can I do, what can't I do and I was really like planning on investing quite a bit of money into making my performance really good like I'd had the intention to get at the time there were some websites that were manufacturing based on Michael's original um, patent the lean boots so I wanted to like kind of use those or you know maybe do something really special and I wasn't getting any answers as far as the venue went not only was I like not getting any answers I wasn't getting a response at all from the lady who was organizing it so Me, with my investigative nature, decided I was going to get to the bottom of this and just go over her head. And I went straight to the venue that she said she'd booked.
4: Oh, that's right.
5: So (laughs) It's obviously in my nature to um, investigate. I recall specifically calling the venue and asking them to confirm whether or not they had a booking for this particular person... And this particular event on this particular date, which we were all we'd all purchased tickets, like people people were paying money to buy tickets to this event, and you know no one had any answers at this point. It was getting closer and closer, and and booking flights, flights and booking hotels. I, mean, I booked flights. I ended up in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and the venue said they'd never heard of her, and then I got really concerned, and then I called the Red Cross, who she who she was saying that the money was going to be the proceeds of the event was going to benefit the Red Cross. And they said they'd never heard of her either. And, you know, there was mm. it was at the point of no return by this stage. Like, the flights were non-refundable. And the hotel, um, TJ and I had arranged to stay in a hotel together. I mean, mm-hmm. it, we there was a lot of stuff that needed to go into planning this. And we were young. Like, we weren't just like we are now where something goes wrong and you we know, have the composure and the maturity to... You know, make alternate plans. It was, it was a big, big deal for us then, and um, yeah, it like Q said, It's spectacularly combusted. And <laughs> so, what happened to this
1: lady? Yeah. What? What's the deal? What was her name? What uh,
5: happened? Uh, no, no. Oh, I'd, Can, I'd, can I'd, we say her name? Yeah. No, why not? She uh, stole people's I'd, money. I don't know. I forgot her last uh, name, it but it was the first all, name. I was... think it was all refunded. Okay. Um, and I think, I think personally, this is my impression of the whole thing. Looking back now, as you know, an adult. Um, I think she intention intended to do something really beautiful and nice for the fans, but I just don't think... I think she bit off more than she could chew. And I think then- she was a
4: compulsive liar.
5: Yeah, that as well, but I do think it came from a good place in her heart. Compulsive-wise, uh can be nice people as well. I I'll I'll definitely... Give, I, <laughs> I mean, can I'm, just maybe I've got say, my rose-coloured glasses on because I know it didn't feel like that back then, but... You're right that we, we were young
4: and naive, but she actually had sort of proven herself as somebody that we could trust because when Michael was in Japan in 2006 and did that fan meet-up where he wore that interesting outfit that looked like pyjamas... Um, oh, yeah. loves that. the gold right. lion. Oh, yeah. Just she, saying. <laughs> she actually had all of... When she first created the forum, Club Michael Jackson, she had people... Each member was able to make a page for a book that she actually did put together and present to Michael. And there are photos online of her presenting it to Michael with the logo of the of the forum and everything, Club Michael Jackson. So you can see this online. So, basically, all the member, members of the forum wrote a letter to Michael and she handed it to him. So, we actually did trust her because I she did- I forgot about that. Why yeah, she in- proved- Like, we had no reason to doubt her at that point.
0: So, after this, what happened to Club MJ?
4: I don't know how it ended, but I, I left. <laughs> <laughs> I, I- um. I, I couldn't stand after that. Well, just just ending on that party thing that never happened. One good it thing ended that with did we statement from the website to say
5: that it was cl- the site was closed. Yeah.
4: But the good thing that came no. from that party that was that never happened was that we all actually did go to Sydney and got yeah. to hang out and we sort of even though the the official party never happened a bit, uh, uh, maybe what 10 or 15 of the fans that had yeah. actually made it to Sydney all got together. I remember we all went bowling. Um, yes. And we did some touristy stuff around Sydney. We went Sydney. to
0: Red Eye Records in Sydney oh, yeah. and was looking for MJ stuff. And a few of us bought some things. That was pretty good fun. So, some
5: good yeah, did know. come of it. We did that like Beatles crossing the... Um, we did. The side crossing of the... the street. Um, yes. The zebra crossing photo that we still Abby have, wrote, which is just hilarious. I remember we were like dancing on the steps of the opera house. And there was something else that we did that was really fun. Um, I just I had it in my mind like two seconds ago. I've forgotten. It was it was a no, beautiful it, trip. Oh, we met um, we met we met Q's hubby there for the first time. Right, It wasn't hubby at the yeah. time, but yep. um, yeah,
0: it was a good trip. It was a good time. Out of that, there was another club that sort of came about. Maximum Jackson.
4: I wasn't on that. I was so scared off forums after that club, Michael Jackson <laughs>
5: debacle, that I just never went back to forums after that. I was a member of Maximum Jackson. I wasn't a founder or a moderator or anything like that, but at one point they did make me their, um, or well, their term was the news reporter, I think. Yeah. Um, so it was my job to like bring news to the website. And um, that you did. Well, I worked really hard on it actually. I was obviously, again, just a, just a kid. But, um, yeah, made, built relationships with people like Kenny Ortega and people at different people at Sony and um, like Randy Phillips from AEG. I don't know all these names and companies sound um, a little bit you know, off-putting now, given what we know all these years later. But, but back then, this is like 2007, 2008, Randy Phillips, there was no reason to not want to be in touch with him because he was the one who was trying to get Michael back on stage. And um, he always promised me, always like I, I i guessed his email address so i sent him an email just purely <laughs> like email like a receptionist at aeg just to get the email format to see you know letter dot surname at whatever it was dot whatever it was and um got, got the format and then just applied his name to it sent him an email as if i knew him as if i should have his email and he replied to me and i couldn't believe it um <laughs> And he always promised me, he said, you know, listen, Damien, like, I haven't got anything to tell you right now, but, um, I'm working on it and I promise that, you know, the second that there is something to tell you, you'll be the first person I tell. And I, I mean, I was just a kid. I don't even know if he knew how old I actually was or, you know, what, what I was like as a person, but he, for some reason was true to his word. And about a week before Michael went to, um, London to announce that this is Hit show. He sent me an email. I said, "Look, there's going to be some big stuff happening. I told you you'd be the first person I told. I need you to be ready in the coming week. There's going to be some things I want you to rally the fans for. Very exciting times, and just basically stand by. And then, um, yeah, the day, the day before Michael flew out to London, he said Michael will be on a plane to London tomorrow, and we want all the fans to be at the Indigo." Two or whatever it was called the, where Michael gave the press conference to say he was going to do the tour and we didn't know what it was going to be but we knew that we needed to be paying attention. Um, turned out to be a tour. I, I was hoping it was going to be like one of those 360 deals where it was an album and a tour but yeah, like those kind of things. So, all of that kind of news was coming to Maximum Jackson through through me and eventually I lost that job <laughs> a couple of years later when the... Michael album came out, and people formed their views and took certain stances and uh, there was a lot of pressure from the estate.
1: You were doing a phenomenal job at that time let 's not understate it like in twenty o eight you know onwards before Michael passed away, you were the man to get news from around Michael, and not just for the comeback tour, you were posting articles all the time on a weekly basis around all of these different collaborators Michael was working with in the studio. Will. I Am, Akon, Red One, uh, Stargate. If anyone wanted to know what Michael was up to in the studio, it was that thread that you were running on Maximum Jackson that they went. So, um, so much fun. It was awesome. You were an exciting guy to know at the time, man. It was, <laughs> it was like <laughs> we were, had the totally. inside story to everything speaking to you. And it's, yeah.
5: I have a funny inside story that I've never shared actually. You know that too, you know that performance that that never happened that perhaps was never actually going to happen with the um the all good entertainment the thing that he was like the pay per view show that they were trying to get him to do
1: is that the one wow. that Frank DeLeo was trying to get to happen and with the the whole Jackson family
5: yeah yeah huge scam but I was in communication with Terry Harvey who was working with with Frank DeLeo on trying to scam that whole thing together and I knew about the whole thing as it was unfolding behind the scenes but never felt that it was legitimate enough to actually write publicly about um but the the team from maximum jackson will remember i used to like stay up until three in the morning and had this little nokia phone that i used to like make (laughs) international phone calls that cost me like a hundred dollars per phone call for just like a three minute phone call and i would record them on my um on like a dictaphone, and then transfer the dictaphone recording to the computer, so I could share the recording of the phone call that I had with Terry Harvey with the with the team. And
0: that's how some people listen to our podcasts.
5: Oh my goodness, <laughs> Charlie! <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. it was crazy times back then. Like there was a lot going on, and you know, it was very very difficult to distinguish what was real from what was you know made up or what was.
1: Do you regret putting all of your? eggs in the basket that was Maximum Jackson. Do you wish you'd, you'd started DamienShields.com a little bit earlier and got all this news out that way?
5: No, not at all. It's a matter of fact, I think the opposite. I wish that Maximum Jackson would have not taken the stance on me that they did when the Michael album, the Casio tracks, came out. I would have preferred to have made that role as a reporter a little bit more serious and a little bit more kind of credible as the years rolled on and as I got older and, and continued working for Maximum Jackson, that website capitulated. Um, it doesn't exist anymore. It's called History Continues now. I don't even know if anyone even visits it anymore. Um, I never, ever intended to do damienshields.com. Like, and I've abandoned that now as well. Like I just, it's it never was something I was super excited about, but it was something that I felt was necessary because they didn't have a platform once I got booted from Maximum Jackson there was nowhere for me to share information. And I still had the, con- the connections that I had and I was still building more. And I was obviously constantly studying and researching Michael, but there was no way to give that information to anybody. So, you know, I created the website and continued to write articles and whatever else. And it is what it is. And it lasted for a few years. And then I gave up on it because I just, it was a lot of, time investment to continue to create free content when I was, you know, becoming a, a fully fledged adult and, um, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't continue to do it anymore. The content
4: so. was dynamite though, man. It was. It, was it was a was fantastic website.
0: Incredible Thanks. content on that, but it also, when it was on Max Jacks, but they really, Shot themselves in the face really when they <laughs> when you got booted because it was downhill from there and it was a good club, it, it was a good place and it was a great form. I loved it,
5: I and loved um, yeah, Jackson. they
0: really shot themselves in the face when they when that happened. So, so what, why did you get booted?
5: Well, it was just all around the Casio tracks, which is a shame because all of the negativity that has existed in the last eight years is pretty much stems from that. Um, I was quite upset and i didn't make my feelings secret at the time and there was a lot of pressure from the michael jackson estate or fan sites at the time to comply with their orders for toe the line exactly don't discuss the casio tracks and if you are don't discuss them negatively and the mj online team at the time was trying to stick their nose into people's businesses and basically they were trying to tell the owners of fan sites that they were ruining Michael's legacy by allowing negative discussions. And their whole bullshit pitch to fan site owners was, how do you think it looks when a new Michael Jackson fan who's trying to discover Michael Jackson lands on your website and the top three threads on your main news discussion are people talking about fake songs? And it looks like you put fake songs out, you fucks. Exactly. And that was <laughs> what I said. last well, the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> I said, this is not the responsibility of... like, w- The fans are not responsible for putting those fake songs out. That is Sony in the estate's fault. So, th- it's your fault that that's at the top of our th- news discussion. You won't resolve it. It's not going anywhere. And at the time, I asked the MJ online team, I said, does, does John Branca really think that this is just going to blow over? Like, is he that naive that he thinks that they can do this and that we will just move on and they flat out said to me yes he thinks that and that will happen and they truly believed that that we would just kind of forget about it like it would be a thing and it was controversial but then we'd move on well now who's laughing yeah you're still in court you're still fighting this i'm still researching it there's more to come and not on our watch buddy <laughs> it's not going to happen we're not going to let you off the hook like that this is the person we dedicate our entire lives to think of those Stories that TJ told earlier about Michael being his superhero at nine years old. You don't just let that happen. No way. Get out of town. Yeah.
0: That's, that's why we're all still here. Like, Michael gave us all so much. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I think about, you know, the podcast, the MJ cast. And it was, for me, finally the opportunity for me to give back to Michael to repay and to thank him for all that he gave me personally. Like this is yeah. this is the least that I can do. I finally found something that I can do that I feel worthwhile and I, you know, of
5: deserving for him. So And you do it so well. And that's what Maximum Jackson was. And to answer the question that you originally asked, like the reason that I got booted was because, you know, the the founders of that website agreed that i was creating too much negativity around that particular topic and that it wouldn't be a good look that i was in continuing as their representative news reporter because scabs because well n- 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 not, not. They scabs, considered you a liability to that. To that, they did. Direction. Um, and I, I'll never forget like the day I got the phone call from Marnie. You know, Australia's number one Michael Jackson fan, who is a dear, dear friend of mine and has been forever. Shout out to Marnie. Marnie, hey, Marnie. will probably come up in a conversation shortly, actually. And she called me on the phone, and she said, um, "Oh, look, like this is a really, really awkward and hard phone call to do, but um, like I wanted to be the one that told you that Maximum Jackson doesn't want you to be their news reporter anymore." we don't feel that there is any news to report. So therefore your job is not valid. And you know, Marnie's a dear friend of mine. And I basically just said, come on, that's fucking bullshit level with me. Like you're just trying to get rid of me because I'm causing headaches for the fan site in the eyes of the estate. And, um, I mean I knew I knew the reason. that was the bullshit spiel that they gave me and and, and there are a couple of other people on that website that's still dear friends of mine as well. It's a little bit insulting that they couldn't just be honest with me and that they tried to bullshit me about why they were asking me to step down as a news reporter. But then like we said earlier, I just DamienShields.com started, and everything that was on DamienShields.com would have been on Maximum Jackson had they not booted me, so I guess Yeah. They're lost. That's just the way it, well, it's just the way the cookie crumbled, so
0: they're lost. So Speaking of Marnie, Marnie would have also been at the MJ Fifty event for sure because that's where she was. That where she got the award for Australia's biggest fan. Yep, that's yes. the first yeah. time I met her. Yeah. So tell tell us a little bit about that that party and and what that was about.
1: Okay, I'll do this one because this is my first memory of hanging out with a bunch of MJ fans, and it was really it was a really exciting experience. My brother and I, um, we ended up. Scoring um, tickets to go to it, I think, courtesy of you, Damien. It might have been I can't remember who, but someone, I think someone. I ra-
5: took TJ, but Marnie might have taken you guys.
1: Yeah, somebody. It, I can't remember who it I was. I can't but remember somebody,
5: who took who, but we all. Yeah, we all. Yeah, took we one.
1: ended up getting tickets, and and we, this is a really exciting exp- opportunity for me because I'd never done it. So we flew down to Sydney and uh, did a bunch of things around the event, like again going to that record, Red Eye Records, which was really cool. I remember sitting on a train with you guys, just talking MJ for ages and ages until we got to, to where we were going. When we went to the, um, I remember uh, I remember the hotel room beforehand. We were in the hotel room talking about what we were going to wear. Um, <laughs> DJ, I think you were uh, putting a lot of effort into what, what you wanted to wear that night. Um, always does.
0: <laughs>
1: and, <laughs> and exactly. um, Toya Jackson takes a lot yeah. of effort. <laughs> there was eyeliner and uh, fedoras and everything going on um it was great and so we got there to the event and uh there was the whole before the event was the most exciting part to me actually was which it was when we got to have a conversation in a um vip lounge with with drinks and everything with um with uh, your contact from sony music who i think was actually i think he's in charge of sony music
5: he still is yeah he's, I think he's the director of the commercial music Section of the Australian and New Zealand music department.
1: It was a it was an awesome conversation. Let me tell you, like I mean, this this went for. I think we spoke with him for over half an hour, and we talked all about Michael Jackson's plans for upcoming music. Why Invincible wasn't supported from you know by Sony? Why um, Invincible had you know lackluster material on it compared to previous albums? It was an in-depth conversation from. An important he had figure had amazing in
5: insights about the Millennium concert because obviously one of those shows was going to be in Sydney. Um, he was telling us all about that, the show that never was, and it which is was the awesome.
0: show that helped me and my 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 first MJ mate Paul Black become friends. That concert and that never happened, another event that never happened. That's how me and Paul Black became friends.
1: I I remember that was coincidentally before I get to talking about the actual MJ Fifty party. I remember going onto a fan forum and recalling that conversation in detail, and basically being told by dozens and dozens of fans that it never happened and that I was a liar, and oh, yeah. and that's how I ended up getting, I think, banned from MJJF or something or MJJC. I think it was at that point,
5: but um, it would have been Maximum Jackson.
1: Maybe it was, Ma- I don't know where it was, but I remember that's when I left, decided I'd had enough of forums was when I reported what we'd talked about and it was treated it was as a lie. It was Jackson. Disappointing. But anyway, um, so then that conversation was great. There was a lot of hype and excitement about what Michael was planning on doing. We went to the the actual event after that, which was a giant room full of MJ fans celebrating and cheering and enjoying um great music that was being dj'd and uh there was a performance i think by jason jackson mm-hmm. which was good but went for a very very long
5: time <laughs> it was um i remember it was so long <laughs> that i my legs were killed i couldn't stand up anymore like it was like as long <laughs> as the history
1: tour and he had like the yeah. um he had like <laughs> original. <laughs> <laughs> he- <laughs> it, was li- it was as live he- as the history tour as yeah. well, <laughs> <laughs> and he had original performances in it. I remember he did a Who Is It performance, which Michael I don't think had ever performed live. And he came out on this big red chair that like spun around, and he had a, a, a like he had a mask on that he took off. He
5: was dressed like anyways. a jester cool. or like that. He's-
0: That's cool. So, this was for the, this was for to celebrate Michael's 50th birthday, is that correct? Right. Yes,
4: that's what MJ50 was. It was yeah. the, it like was Sony conjunction- Australia's official b- party yeah. for, yeah. And it
0: was in conjunction with the King of Pop um, best of album that fans and countries had voted on tracks. Yep.
1: Yeah. I think they
4: versions. all gave us all a copy of it at the party. Yeah. We got copies of As that with key rings.
1: I've still got the official. King of Pop key ring that's got some error Which on it. Which had the I wrong was, date on it. The wrong, the wrong, day, wrong day. birthday. Yeah. wrong
5: birthday. <laughs> 29th of September,
4: so hot 68. tip,
1: MJ fans. Sony's been screwing things up since before the Michael album, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah.
4: can, can I jump in with a little um, story about that party? Yes. Um, sure. Because that was the first time that, that, for that, well, that weekend or however long it was, was the first time that I met Jamin. But at that cocktail party before the actual party... I recall very specifically, Jamin, you and I talking, and you having the idea for this podcast then. And this was two thousand eight. This is a story you laid this very much one
5: told. All right, dig into it. You told me this story the other day, TJ and was Actually, really cool. Take
4: the four. I remember specifically, Jamin coming and saying, "We've got to do this podcast." There's, it's all of it like it's podcasting, and because I was very. uh, what's a word? I was posting on YouTube frequently at the time. That was kind of where I spent my online outlet. And Jamin saying, "You know, got it's, it's all about podcasts. It's all about podcasts." And I thought nobody listens to podcasts. That <laughs> was around the time that was... the Thriller cast had come out, right? Yeah, yeah. And I just remember every, probably every time we spoke for years after you would always bring up the idea of a podcast. And I was always like, dude, no one no listens to them. <laughs> How wrong I was. <laughs> How wrong I was. Because it well, wasn't until what year did you guys actually launch the MJS? This
1: starts? is our fourth year now.
4: 2014. So yeah. I just, I feel like I needed to say that so the listeners know that this has actually been in your brain for a long, so long time. So what was Jamin time.
0: telling you that This, had-
4: exactly. What we're doing right so- now was his idea. He said... The, the idea would be for fan friends to get together and talk about and reminisce and share experiences and thoughts and ideas. And this was before Michael even died. It's just amazing how much the podcast that is that you have right now is exactly the podcast that you described 10 years ago.
1: Well, yeah, we always had in our heads exactly how we wanted it to be and and we Q and I we don't change things really unless we absolutely have to from the original vision and in a lot of cases in the past two years we've tried to get it back to what our original vision was but the show honestly like it it has to be said the show never would have come to pass really if it wasn't for you guys and you know TJ and and Damien and TJ you in particular you were the one who really at the end I I think you'd had enough of me saying (laughs) I want to do it and you were like (laughs) You just need to do it.
4: <laughs> well, you are you are a perfectionist and you would talk so much about wanting to do this, but you wouldn't want to start until you had the perfect sound equipment or the perfect uh, <laughs> intro scene, theme song. I, I think it was a long time. You had basically the whole podcast planned and ready in your head, but you weren't willing to launch until you had the theme tune ready. Yeah. And I, and I remember just being like, dude, just just start already. You'll, you'll iron out the kinks, but you didn't want to. But hey. It, it happened. You got it done. We did. Yeah. We
0: started. I think started without the music. Started very basic. And um, here we are, four years on, all still talking about it.
1: Yeah. So thank you. I wanted to say thank you, TJ for, and, and Damien, for both of you, for your inspiration and pushing us to get this done. And actually, really, the truth of the matter is we all started the MJ cast together. We didn't start at just Q and I. The MJ cast was four of us. Uh, we never launched as four of us as partners in the show, but the whole process of getting it out and getting it ready and getting it together and getting the show online, it was us. Was we were doing Us four
0: that. in a group message chat, planning stuff out.
4: Awesome yeah. foursome. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Bring the beat. Let's go.
10: The king of pop. Enough, he said, Don't stop. Singing, I'll be there. I'm wondering when and imagining where. Mm-hmm. We remember the times forever in our hearts and our minds. Mm-hmm. Singing, I'll be there. I'm wondering when and imagining where. Michael, 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 he was a friend of mine for more than 40 years. No bright, started to shine Michael, Michael, Michael They call you king of pop But for your gentle soul The pain place.
1: CJ, we've got a question for you that we ask um, all special guests that come on the show, uh, and it's, it's a question that um, might be a little bit of a curveball for you, but um, I'd like to know what, what you think about how Michael Jackson should be remembered.
8: Oh, that's a good question. Ooh. Well, just enjoy the songs. That is it. I mean, what else should there be? As oversimple as that may seem and as disappointing that answer might be, really, I think Michael would say the same thing. So, I mean, if all you had were his songs, wouldn't that be enough? You know? Yep. Yeah. Um, You know, and and then on the next level, we have his lyrics. And then the next level of that, if you add up everything he sings about, you can tell that there's a thing that he's into and it's love and it's just everybody being cool to each other. And you know, so I, I think on, on that, I, I don't think he can help being remembered that way. Mm. So I think he's gonna be fine. As far as um, people who think of him negatively, I think they'll fall by the wayside in time. I have, you know, famous friends and wealthy friends and things like that. When you start getting up to the to the point of the pyramid with your power, the 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 people knocking you down, it just increases exponentially. Hmm. So, for the size of artist that Michael was, the size of crap he gets is 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 a ratio that's directly involved and it's the same for everybody. The bigger and more hardcore you get, just the more you're going to get you know, that thing from that negativity. So I don't think, I think Michael will survive all that easy. I think he already has, I don't think it's an issue, you know, Uh, just people tend to like sensationalistic news. And also, I'm really pissed off at at the people who work for him, that they go after him. I don't like the detractors. As a matter of fact, when I was working with him, I thought his entourage, like when I was working with him in 95 with Delena, his entourage was huge. Mm. Must have been uh, seven people. You know, well I felt that I thought I felt the entourage was a bigger problem. You know, I I felt some of the you know, when you hire all kinds of people you don't know, you're gonna get into some issues. So mm. I think Michael got an unfair shake from people that he had to be had to trust. Yeah. Michael had Michael had trust issues, obviously. I mean, what could he do? I mean, he had to play games and, 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 and find out what people were all about.
7: Mm. Mm-hmm.
8: So, uh, I think maybe some of the things, some of the lengths he had to go to to find trust got him in trouble, possibly. I don't know. Maybe some of the people he hired weren't who they said they were, but you know, he has to hire and fire quickly. So, you get what you get, you know? Yeah. But, but I think uh, Michael will be remembered for one thing, and that's the music.
0: Okay. So, this is a question that we ask every special guest that we have on the MJ cast. And I will start with Isabel. Isabel, how should Michael be remembered?
11: As a human, as an artist, as a genius. But I think we have to to speak and to learn about him as human because people, they neglected this part of him. And uh, as soon as we don't know how he was in his own mind, in his own heart, we don't know we can't understand really what he wanted uh, to say and to transmit through his music. But music is the basis because uh, without music, without his music, he couldn't dance, he couldn't put images, and he couldn't send messages with the words. So music is really the basis, Michael's music.
0: Beautiful. And Bryce, how should Michael be remembered?
12: Oh, I I think he had a 40 year career. And we can discover it over again and again his music is out of time now and we as fans must contribute to keep it alive he was a great artist and he must be remembered you know he was a genius uh, and uh, we, will, we will listen to his music uh, every time when you can
0: i was going to ask you how michael should be remembered would your answer be the same or would your answer be different
11: I think I would talk about probably just as someone who had an influence but used it for good rather than just for money. You know what I mean? Like you get so many artists now that will just make music about whatever that will sell. But I think he he should be remembered as someone that used his influence to improve the world and as a bomb ass musician. Bomb ass
0: musician.
11: Yeah, you can <laughs> quote me on that. <laughs> I think we will.
0: so Jonathan a question that we ask every single special guest that we ever have on the MJ cast is how should Michael be remembered
12: Michael to remember Michael is to remember a beautiful spirit and a beautiful beautiful human being you know his talent is, is something altogether different but I think the talent stemmed from his, his original spirit of being a very, very sensitive, in tune with life, in tune with, with appreciation, in tune with love, you know, on the same frequency and circuit of love. I think that's the person that that used those elements the love and, and the appreciation of life and the caring to become a great artist because you apply those things to your craft and what you do. And, and what does that equal? Greatness equals uh, the greatness of talent, because you're that sensitive to, to, to uh, hone your craft and develop yourself, and you're more sensitive than others, to do that to the degree that he did, be to become the king of pop or the king of music or the inter- king of entertainment, uh, however you want to look at it. You have to be extremely sensitized to, to develop your craft, to be as, as prolific and uh, dynamic as he was as a performer. As a singer, his sensitivities and his um, his vibrato and his tone, his vocal inflections um, when he sings—you know, his, his sensitivity to the words and the expression of the words of his music—that uh, make people cry, make people feel feel the emotion of his songs, and relate to his songs and the lyrics of his songs. He's, I think that it all stems from the depth of love and depth of caring, depth of depth of um, humanity that was in him. And, uh, that, and like I say, most of all, depth of love, and I think that stems stems from mother, uh, who, who guided him in his younger years. You know, she was Jehovah's Witness, and and that faith they pro- professed love and caring. They went needs to go door to door. Michael used to do that with his mother, and I, I think she was the culmination of the of the Michael that we got to know. I mean, if for not for that, we may have maybe have a different Michael. Mother, mother, um, I should she laid the foundations. Uh, with the uh, humanitarian um, traits that she instilled in him, through her beliefs and her the way she is, she's just like she's like Michael. She's so sensitive, so caring, so loving. Um, you couldn't find a person more so than her. And Michael gravitated toward that and became that because he, she guided him in his early life, which carried over to his older life and his generosity and his love and. And going visit people, like, just like he did when he was with his mother, going visit the people that Jehovah's Witness, go door to door. He going to hospital to hospital, visiting people, spending time with these kids, buying them gifts and bringing them things, you know, they never expected it to get. You know, making them smile when they have everything to frown about, you know, um, some of them facing the end of their life. And, and then the mic shows up and they make them feel like they're going to live for another 20, 30, 40 years, you know. You know, all of that stems from the guidance of of mother, you know, I, I see, I've always seen it that way and I've always appreciated that. And uh, I think that's the that's the seeds of the origin of greatness that, that uh, made him become who he became. And he applied that to his music, that same kind of passion for those things. He applied to his passion for music, which is all his sensitivity, you know, um, of human sensitivity and, and magnitude and, and, mag- and uh, magnification of the soul and, and of the light, you know. Um, which we all are. So, he was so in tune with life and life force and, and the depth of soul of the creative uh, source that it, it um, demonstrated through everything he did and that he chose to do and focus on in his life. Even his artwork is magnificent. As an artist, you know, he 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 excelled at everything. He prolific artist, you know. Um, all of that comes from depth of soul and depth of sensitivity of the spirit, and I think mother had a lot of. Time. I think he was born and gifted with that before we could ever know. At what stage of the birth process we can ever know that, you know, God lays His hands on us or, or um, we become a living human being, you know, we, you know we don't we haven't figured that out yet. But but uh, as for you know, once he hit hit the earth, landed on earth, you know, and to birth, his mother his mother had everything to do with that because she's just a sensitive human being as as he was he is her she is him and um what he brought to the world is basically her and her spirit um to to uh, to basically shower the world with who she is basically through him so she guided him i think they'll remember the things he's done as of his music of course and his creativity and the magnitude of his gifts and talent and prowess but I think a lot of people will remember what he's done for people that he didn't even know, he wasn't even related to. He had no real requirement to do for for anybody else, but he did it. I think that's what he should be remembered for. To me, you know, what I call him, I call him uh, the American Ambassador of Love. Hmm. I think he's an ambassador of love that represents because he's from America, so American Ambassador of Love that represents the country the way he went globally. And it didn't matter what country you were from or was in a dilemma or, you know, in the hospital or whatever, or an old folks home or, you know, um, or whatever you were facing. He went there as if you was an American citizen or you was basically beyond that, as, as if you, which you are, uh, a fellow human being. He didn't, he bypassed the labels that we give each other from country to country, uh, uh, um, denotation of race or uh, color, religion and religion. Um, And uh, nationality, he bypassed all of that. And he saw the human being, he went straight to the source. Human being, that human being needs something, needs help, whatever. So I think that's what he should be remembered for just as much or more so than um, his music creativity. Of course, that's the vehicle that he used to be able to do these other things. That's what people don't understand. He used the vehicle of creativity and his music and his popularity for music as a vehicle to be able to reach out to the world and, and get his messages across about the earth and about caring and love for everybody, love each other and uh, and to go visit these people at the hospital. He used this, If you really look at it, you know, under the microscope, he used all that popularity and stuff like that and gold and platinum albums and all the money he made to be able to have a chance to travel the world and um, as as a traveling salesman of love, so to speak, you know, he, he, peddled, love, he peddled love and unity so I think to me, I'll remember him for both of course, yeah, but I remember as being a very sensitive human being that, you know, that we unfortunately lost. We lost one of the best ones, one of the best human beings. Now it be like sheep. A lot of the world is like sheep with no shepherd because he was the one. He was a shepherd.
13: Hi, this is Scott Ross, lead investigator on the Michael Jackson trial, and you are listening to the MJ cast. Thank you for listening.
0: So one event I would love to talk about, which – I hope I'm remembering correctly, and we were all there together. I think for the first time, all there at the same time was the Gold Coast premiere of the This Is It film mm. after Michael's passing. and they, Which um,
4: we must applaud Damien for setting that up.
0: That was a huge event, huge event. I wonder whatever happened to those humongous... Wall cut-out silhouettes oh. of Michael. Yeah let's, that,
1: yeah, let's talk about how good a job they did, event cinemas. They, When we got, I was not expecting in any way for it to be like what it was. When we got there, all of the mm. attendants, all of the girls on the desk that were selling the tickets, all of them had fedoras on. Yeah. Mm. They had posters up hanging up of um this is it massive red cutouts like you said of the this is it silhouette on the walls lit up. They had Michael's and other
0: silhouettes I think as well, dancing that- silhouettes I believe.
1: They had Michael's um music videos playing on the big screen as we were waiting in the foyer. Fans were dressed up all over the place. I felt in that moment like it was such a heartbreaking few months leading up to that event with Michael's passing like honestly like stuff we're still recovering from mentally really like it was so intense and then when we arrived at that cinema it was like for me it was like a feeling like wow these you know the these people love Michael as well this is awesome it was it was exciting it was like i a Star wish, Wars I, launch, I, wish I could look back on that event like can i got to ask you guys this do you look back on that event now With happy memories or sad memories? How do you feel about that now that we know everything we do?
4: At the time, we didn't know what we know now uh, about what went on during This Is It and in the lead-up to Michael's passing. But he had died four months prior. And to to us and to fans like us, that was a world-shattering moment. So when we... All got together as a family for this is it. It was like a moment of, in a way, it was a moment of closure, I think, because he, you know, we had been mourning for four months, but now we were finally able to all be together and to mark the occasion, I guess, which I, I think a lot of us felt we needed to do. But it was also a moment of celebration because that cinema was a massive... It was like a brand new built... uh, VMAX. It was a massive screen. It wasn't IMAX size, but it was big. And it was... Seeing Michael just appear after Lightman comes down and Kenny does his little talk. And then all of a sudden, there's Michael. And, you know, not only had Michael died four months earlier, but Michael had been off the stage and out of the King of Pop zone for such a long time, for the decade almost leading up to that moment. There had been a lot of disappointment as fans. And then to see him on that screen at that time, and we were all together. I had Damien on my left. I had Q on my right. And uh, Jamin, you were on Q's right. We were right there, all four of us right there together. I can, I mean, I feel like crying just talking about it. That moment was very, very special. And I don't look back on that sad, like as a bad thing about this is it is all at all, because we didn't know. And we mm-hmm. shouldn't feel bad for, for enjoying and embracing that moment.
5: It was mm. it was good for closure as much as, you know, you the true. hindsight is that it was a propaganda piece. Um, yeah. The reality is the footage was really Michael, you know, it's really his songs, it's really his performances and his rehearsals. And what was going on behind the scenes doesn't change the fact that, you know, I guess that's what we needed at the time. And it's, I don't know if you can justify it. You can't justify what... Um, the estate and AEG and whoever else were trying to achieve with that. But I mean, you kind of can, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but if, even if it was propaganda, it helped us
4: still.
0: I think, you know, like looking back, we can separate maybe the film from the event and the experience. And at that time we needed that event and that experience to just join us all together as friendship. And it was almost in mourning. It was a farewell Mm. and somewhat of a celebration of his life and of the friendships that had been created through him.
1: And we got a real taste of what what was going to be. We got a taste of what was going to be, and we'd been wondering for years prior what, what it was going to be like and
7: yeah
1: um it was a crazy experience because throughout the the film um you would hear people cheering all throughout the cinema clapping applauding yelling you know like it was like a concert and then it was like being at the concert yeah it was like being at a concert and then as soon as the credits rolled up it was the exact opposite the room was tears
5: wasn't as soon as the credits rolled up, I remember Q was crying from the very first moment Michael appeared on the the screen. Q, you were were a wreck. So, the stages of grief was really interesting from what I remember. It was like, I think I kind of went in there with a bit of a stone attitude. Like, I almost had convinced myself for those two hours that he was not actually gone. Like, it just, it was escapism. And I was talking to TJ about this the other day. From the perspective of is the is the film a piece of propaganda or is it the reality is it's it's not a documentary it's a film it's a movie and they were showing they were trying to show Michael Jackson the King of Pop and if they were making a documentary about Michael's final months then yeah we could probably say with one hundred percent certainty it was you know very very wrong what they did but it it wasn't actually that like it was a film to showcase michael jackson's intended concert so from that perspective i think it was you know that's why the closure was we were able to get closure from because we we were just again able to experience michael jackson like on stage and q was crying from the beginning but like i think was it you held Jamie it together just, right to the end? I did not cry. Like I, this, I think you know, with Michael talks about film and music as escapism and entertainment is escapism. Like that was the perfect example of It really was. It disappeared into a whole different world for two hours, and for me, like the whole time. And I just I told TJ this the other day in a private phone call. But um, Michael's moving. He's singing. He's dancing. He's constantly like, it. It never stopped two hours of this performance was just ongoing and ongoing. And as Jamin was about to say, as soon as the the film came to the end and he'd perform man in the mirror and then he's moving, moving, moving. And then it comes to that moment where he kind of throws a kiss out to the audience, puts his arms out and they freeze frame him and it stops and he's not moving anymore. Nothing's moving. And that's the moment where you go, Oh fuck. Like, it's over. Like, the escapism is done. Like, this is just, like, the reality is 100% coming back and, like, coming back at, like, 100 kilometers an hour. Like, it's... And you were inconsolable from that moment. Inconsolable. I think, like, just, yeah. I think I must have just been, like, an absolute baby for, like, half an hour at least. Yeah. It was like people. We were there into- were people that we weren't friends off friends with, or like that weren't part of the fan community in the cinema at the same time. Must have thought I was an absolute lunatic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. There was a lot of big time fans there, all crying, all upset. I, yeah, it was a.
0: We, we had the back row, didn't we? We had the yeah. back.
1: We were at the back. We were watching everyone yeah. in front of us. That's what I love because we could hear them all cheering from the back it and was
4: see a, them applauding and cheering. Yeah, yeah. in between yeah. every song, it was like being in a concert. And then we could see them crying. Yeah.
1: But everyone reacts differently. Like, and that's important to know as well. Like, if you're a fan who hasn't, like, and I'm going to be honest now and say something that might shock you guys, but I seriously, I have not cried since Michael passed away. I still haven't. I still haven't. And I can't, I feel like incredibly devastated and sad. And I go into periods of absolute, you know, real, like, I wouldn't call it depression, but like real, like. I get very down when I think about sometimes how he was taken um from us but yeah everyone responds differently whether you cried whether you didn't cry whether you know there's no real right or wrong way to react to something like that but um
0: it was every emotion on every spectrum that
1: mm.
4: was
0: felt because
4: I'm so glad we had that
0: oh, me too that, for me it was a very positive experience and something that, that experience sharing with all you guys um, on each side of me is something that I'll never forget because it was only months before that that Damien and I were
5: organizing to share hotel rooms, mm. you know, what, oh, what, what
0: dates we had tickets you for. We were at my house the
5: day the tickets went on sale. We were on, you know, yeah. simultaneously on like a laptop and a computer together trying to like make sure that we even got tickets and everything was going... Crazy that day, like, that we were was on that train.
0: time. We were on that yeah. train going full pelt, you know, 100 yeah. million miles an hour on the tracks to, to glory and to Michael's redemption and comeback. And um, that's the ride we were on.
1: Were you guys all there with me as well when we were um, online, uh, watching online Michael's announcement for This Is It?
4: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, that, Remember that? Oh, that was
1: that was and he kept everyone frozen. waiting
5: for hours and hours and hours there was a, such a jarring moment though cuz he looked so good but <gasps> yes. he seemed he seemed so off
1: his behavior was off in that moment i remember have, when i finished watching it i did not have a reaction that was positive i was talking to the people in that chat i was like did I, did you guys just see what i saw he didn't seem him himself like it was quick it was rushed it was impromptu it was like what was that? And it
5: wasn't the way that fans kind of go, is it him or isn't it him? Like, that's just a bunch of bullshit. He that's seemed deeps. like it wasn't himself, but it didn't seem like it wasn't him, obviously. We're not trying yeah. to say that. Just for any no. of the newer fans that are listening to this, we're not kind of going, we weren't sure if it was actually Michael. Anybody who says that it wasn't is an idiot. There uh, were people that said Michael, that. But he was, he was not himself. <laughs>
1: And at the he time I convinced myself in the month late in the months later that it was just oh he must have just been excited or it was just Michael not reading from the script or something. But you know I now- thought he was drunk
5: and he was. What was that sorry, was Damien? Well. I said I, I at the time I thought he was drunk. It seemed like he was either drunk or or, or on something. And mm. it turns out that he was. Yeah. Yeah. That moment where
4: he steps away from the podium and starts punching the air, this is it, this is it, reminds me so much of Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's yes. couch. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it does.
4: Yeah. I'm oh, sorry, I wasn't even saying that as a joke. But, yeah, I mean, he was not...
5: He wasn't... Himself. Really himself, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
5: It He'd was been manic. building that up for a little while, though. I think when he got that award in... um when he got the award in Japan at the MTV Awards in 2006, I think he wanted... (sighs) When he sees the audience loving him, I think after what he'd just been through, especially within such close time proximity from the Japan thing in 2006, you could see he was wanting to do a little dance move or wanting to pump his fist a little bit and he kind of like did it a little bit but then didn't and then that moment where he was... Christian Audigé's 50th birthday party in Mm. 2008 and the same thing the music is playing everyone's screaming for him like it's kind of those continual reconfirmations for him that he was still loved and everyone still wanted him to do it and then I just think it all boiled over on that this is it announcement even though he wasn't himself and he was completely out of it I think this the moment where we well, didn't have any inhibitions at that time. He was people were just yeah. What he the stepped, state he was in? He didn't
0: have anything to restrain him.
5: Yeah, mm-hmm. and it just—I mean, it was it was beautiful. It, even you know, if you can take the 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 the, the positives with all the, the negatives that were also there, it was it was beautiful to see him just let it go. Like, okay, I'm just going to celebrate this because you're all screaming for me, and this is actually mm-hmm. a success. And even if oh my I'm, god, Sorry. yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say how far away did July seem? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> At the time I think it was only 4, 3 or 4 months away,
5: but when he said seeing in July it was like, oh that's an eternity. I oh got a no. question for you guys. I mean, he physically got on that stage and told us he was going to be performing in July, but did anybody actually think it would happen? In your true At truest the time absolutely, hearts, yes. You did. I did. I was any-
1: terrified it wouldn't. I knew I, I that's why I contacted you that day and I was like, I'm really scared it's not gonna happen because <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I just There was something no, about You said you it. were
5: scared it wasn't gonna happen, yeah. And then
1: I, I think it, for me it wasn't that I was I was afraid he was in danger. It wasn't that. Um it's easy to say or think that now, but I I didn't think that. It was the fact that I had never, outside of the 30th anniversary concert, I was never lucky enough to be a fan during a period when Michael was going full speed and performing and touring. And I was really scared that so many other fans I knew, nearly every other fan I knew, had had that experience um, and I was going to miss out. Yeah. I think mm. that's what and it was. And then we
5: did miss out for reasons we never would have imagined, which is... You know, probably a good segue to the the whole purpose of the anniversary that we're here to talk about today, which is you know the downer of the call. But I guess that's it. It leads us to that moment because that was a three month gap between that announcement and then Michael essentially being again, you know, the only time he would see him when he was you know go to the shops or go to the doctor, and then June twenty five.
1: All right, well, we've come to the part of the show now that's never, ever easy to talk about or record or think about, but um, again, the reason we do this and the reason we talk about this and and discuss it is because there's so many listeners and and fans around the world right now who are feeling exactly the same way, and there's something healing about... um, Every year we hear from listeners who say there's just something healing about hearing from other people that feel the same way and went through the same thing. So let's now talk about our experiences on June 25th, 2009. TJ, let's start with you.
4: Okay. um, I had been doing night shift work and I had finished work at about 7am, I think it was, and... Everybody listening around the world remember Australia. The time zone is completely different to the US, obviously. So I I don't remember. I think it was about two in the afternoon or something local time when it all started happening. But uh, I got home from work at 7 a.m. and was on the Internet and started seeing the stories, you know, TMZ and everybody reporting that Michael had been taken to the hospital. And then the rumors started that he passed away. But I didn't. I was just sort of following it. You know, there was... No one knew exactly what was going on or how serious it was. It was just sort of going back and forth between Twitter and going to different news websites and everything. But at some point, I can't remember if it was CNN or someone... Someone confirmed it. And it was only one confirmation so far. But for some reason, I just... I felt it. I knew it. And I just... I called Q. I I'd been holding it together, and then I called Q. And um, I don't know. I mean, you you must remember this, man. But when you answered the phone, I I I became like frantic. Like I actually remember when you answered the phone, I dropped to my knees. I fell like down. I lost my balance. I said, I think Michael's gone. And you, you calm down. You were saying, "Calm down, just what? what tell me what." And I said, he, "He's being rushed to the hospital, and they're saying he's dead." And I think we kind of, you kind of just went, "Okay, get like, get, let's get off the phone, like, let's figure this out." And then when Jermaine Jackson came out and confirmed it, I mean, I remember all this so so clearly. I was just, ah, oh, it was like, really, it was like a dream. It really was. Like a dream. And I lived across the street from a subway station. And I remember going over there at about 2 o'clock that afternoon because they had these little little newspapers that they'd hand out in the morning and then they'd have an afternoon edition that they'd hand out so people could read them on the train on their commute home from work. And I felt the need to go over there and get the afternoon edition because I knew that they would have reported on Michael's passing. And I, I was walking over there and I'm looking around and all these people are just going about their day cars are driving past people are walking around people are just going about their day and i was like what the the world just ended how 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 is it that these people are still i honestly i felt like something like something awful i mean something awful did happen i just looked around and i couldn't quite fathom the fact that the world was still moving and going on Uh, And then my my memory of the the last part of that was, as I said, I'd been up all night for work. I eventually got to sleep, I guess, late in the evening. And I remember waking up about one o'clock in the morning the next day. And I very clearly remember opening my eyes, taking my first breath in and then realizing it was true, that it wasn't a dream and just bursting into tears one breath after waking up like it, it. it, it was it, it. It was real. It wasn't a nightmare. It's actually real. And and he's gone. And it's been nine years, and I still can't quite believe. It. Okay, that's my slide. Sorry, it sorry. Was
0: a nightmare <laughs> indeed. I um mm. definitely remember that call, and I remember you know there had been silly rumours leading up to that that he was on his you know very ill and getting wheeled around in wheelchairs but then we'd seen him smiling in the back of the car with his curly hair back and how <laughs> great he looked in that picture with that <laughs> with that girl and I was like okay well you know they've said crazy stuff before and when you said you were frantic you were and that morning I had I was on call and my phone um I looked at it I just woke up completely out of the blue earlier that morning, completely out of the blue for no reason and looked at my phone. Okay. No, it wasn't work calling that woke me. There's nothing on my phone. And then I looked at my phone a little bit after that. And there was a lot of messages, I think from you. And then the phone started ringing and it was you and you were frantic. And I was just trying to calm you down a little bit and, This probably wasn't what was really happening. And then the internet wasn't working. I couldn't get anything to load on the internet and find out um, what was exactly happening for a little while. TV stations had started reporting on it.
7: All the news stations were picking up on it. And then the news came And I'm glad that I had heard the news from you
0: or that we at least were the first people talking about things. Um, And I remember I was home alone. Um, Then the phone started ringing. A lot of that day, a lot of that week, I do not remember at all. Um, A girlfriend didn't go to work that day. She came over to look after me. Um, I remember a few people calling like, you know, my dad and family and um, but I I know like there were a lot of calls and I just don't remember I remember a a fan friend who lived in Perth he came over and visited and we just sat and watched the news together while um, Emily was there looking after us I remember going to her house for dinner that night which was really good but there's a lot that I don't remember very clearly Um, I don't really have much recollection about what was happening in the forums and on the online. I think I would have had Twitter by that time, but I haven't done the way back machine to see, to see what I was saying and things like that. But it was um it was a nightmare that had come true. And yeah, our story was I guess in parallel to Jamin and Damien's.
5: Almost identical, really. Jamin, you can start it because obviously I was in the similar way. I was asleep and waking up to a phone call from you. But how did it all begin to the point where you woke me up and told me about it?
1: What time did I wake you up so I can sort of backtrack? Well, I can't remember. Was it, it was early.
5: The way that I remember it was um, I had work that day. Um, and I hadn't yet woken up. So, I would have had to have woken up relatively early to go to work. Yeah. Um, Right. And you called my mobile and woke me up and you were like, Damien, look, Michael Jackson's had a heart attack. He's been rushed to the hospital and um, I remember going, oh, yeah, whatever, Jamin. like I think it was only a couple of weeks earlier or even a couple of days earlier, I can't remember the exact time you had um, introduced me to the world of being a Rickrolled. <laughs> well you send someone a fake link to someone <laughs> some really ridiculous thing it might have been i have a, i had a reputation as thing.
1: pranking people online
5: yes yes i used so to he pranking me, people so i remember he sent me this on msn chat messenger he sent me this link and he's like oh my god damien a new michael jackson song is leaked <laughs> and he sends me this link and i click it and then of course my whole computer goes into lockdown and there's like I can't remember if it was Rick Roll or Meat Spin for anyone who knows what that is. <laughs> um, I can't remember what it was that you'd sent me, but my whole computer was just like frozen and, you know, haha, very funny, Jamin. So, I'm thinking, like, I get this call from you, it, like, it must have been 7 in the morning and you're telling me this and I did not believe you at all. I was just like, oh, God, you like, what next, Jamin? Like, you're taking your pranks to a whole new level. Um, and I hung up on you. I said, look, I don't have time for this. I have to get a couple, like a little bit more sleep before work. And I hung up. And then I specifically recall within seconds, my home phone, my landline phone rang and no one ever rings the landline. Like, and the second it rang, I knew Michael had died. Like, it's a weird thing to try and explain because and I don't know if anyone else felt this way but when I heard it ring I felt like part of me part of my spirit just died disappeared like left my body like I I felt and they hadn't even like Jamin hadn't mentioned that Michael had died or that you know that they were reporting that he died it was like pretty early in the reports like he was just saying that he was taken to hospital when they were reporting a cardiac arrest but that when when the when the phone rang out in the living room, I was like, no way. Like, Jamin wouldn't ring the home phone unless this was serious, and I I felt he's gone. And then I think it was my mum or my sister knocked on my bedroom door and said, Jamin's on the phone. And I'm like, oh god, it is Jamin. Like it, this is a nightmare. And then we talked for a bit, and you kind of said, no, it's it's serious. I'm not joking. Like I wouldn't mess around with this. Um, we've got to get online and try and figure out what's happened and I didn't even in my heart of hearts I didn't even need to go online I just like oh my god he's he's died this is this is serious I could just feel it I don't know why it's a weird thing and anyway then we we all jumped online and I actually had a couple of missed calls I think from Q and from TJ and yeah, I after I'd spoken answer. to Jamin I couldn't deal with it like I was like no nah. I can't, I actually am inconsolable, like, but I kept it inside of me, I didn't cry, I didn't get too worked up, but I knew that the worst was eventually going to be confirmed, like, I just felt it, and um, then the same thing with Jermaine giving the speech, you know, my legendary, my brother, the legendary king of poet Michael Jackson has died, I was like, oh you know, He gives the time of death and, oh, the same thing that TJ said. I fell to the ground. I, it was, the way that my mum describes it was that I was just wailing. She said that she, she just thought like, like she'd never ever seen someone like react like that to anything ever in her life and we've lost family members and all that stuff and you know you've you've been through grief and sad moments and she said that this was just like something else and she was really worried about me and she was trying to arrange to have the day off work to stay with me because i just couldn't get off the ground i couldn't i couldn't do anything other than just scream and cry and like yeah Um, I assured, I assured her that it was like, it wasn't that serious. You don't need to put me on suicide watch or anything, but this is the worst day of my life. So like, um, I just need to be alone. And I, I did the same thing that, that you did Q. I just watched the news all day and I don't know it was like, I don't want to talk to anyone about it but I also want to be informed and I want to be up to date with what's going on. And the only way you could do it was with the news, unless you wanted to go on a fan site and have, you know, millions of other people going crazy about it. And, um, yeah. And then, but then the craziest thing was that like, I think within an hour of Jermaine confirming that Michael had actually died I had news crews knocking on my fucking front door, asking me for an interview with my reaction to the death of Michael Jackson. At the time, obviously, it was um kind of well known in the world of Michael Jackson, um, you know, stretching back quite a few years. Like even with the um the MJ Fifty party, that was all founded on that contest that they ran to find Australia's biggest Michael Jackson fan. That Marnie had won. But the five finalists, they had you know featured on television, and they'd run this big media campaign around it, and and um, so I don't know, they just got my like details and rocked up, and I said no, I don't want to do an interview. Like this is like the worst day of my life. I can't stop crying. Like, and then they said to me, well, okay, do you know any other fans on the Gold Coast that we could go and interview? Because you know. We are going to interview someone and um, if it's not you, it's going to be someone else. And in that moment, I kind of thought, fuck, I don't want to do it. Like it's the last thing I want to do is, you know, sit in front of a television camera and talk about this. I haven't even processed it. I don't even like know how I feel like I'm, I'm crushed, but I felt if they are going to put someone on the news to talk about the death of Michael Jackson, they... I was willing to do it because I kind of wanted the world to see how big of an impact it really had on some people and I didn't feel like sending them somewhere else would have done it justice so I fucking got dressed put a shirt on and did my hair because they asked me to and sat in front of a camera big lighting rig and TV camera at my kitchen table and cried for about an hour and the best that they could get out of me was what well, I think one sentence where I didn't cry and that's you know what eventually went on the on the TV and I think it went all around the world it went on CNN and all kinds of places all around the world and that night I was receiving messages from people in Germany and India and wherever they were in the world saying oh my god, I just saw you on the news, and, you know, it's like the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen, but thanks for doing it, because I felt the same way, and, yeah. One performer, countless fans
13: across Australia.
2: Thanks to the fans, I love you very much.
13: He came here twice at 1987 and 96. What an impact. Now his death has shattered his Aussie fans. Dude. (laughs) (laughs) Damien Shields fell under Jackson's Spell ten years ago. He was booked to see six of his
5: shows in London. Unless you are a fan of Michael Jackson in the way that so many millions of people are and the way that I am, you, you can't begin to understand the loss that we're feeling.
13: Lee Fletcher still has the ticket to Jacko's concert at the SCG at 96.
5: I'm just in shock just in shock. I mean Michael
13: Jackson
0: has died and there is no more King of Pop
8: and it will only just sort of live through his music, Um, yeah.
13: Marnie Carlson was recently crowned Jackson's number one Australian fan. There's not a bit of Jackson memorabilia she doesn't have.
2: We call him Mikey.
13: She was also planning to go to the London concert
3: it's amazing, yeah, I grew up with him, you know, that's why he's such a huge part of my life is because he's, um, you know, he's always been there.
13: The Tweedle sisters, Elise and Mel, are the new generation of fans.
3: Hi, my mum came running into my room and screaming, Michael Jackson's dead, Michael Jackson's dead. And I didn't believe it. I ran straight to the television and sat down and I haven't moved since. I've been watching it all morning.
13: Mel was so upset, she had the day off from school.
3: I was meant to go to school but like I physically don't think I'll be able to. I've just
14: been like shaking and my heart's still pounding and I can't like comprehend that he's actually gone and
3: yeah it's a huge loss.
13: He's now a chemist in Darwin but back in 1987 when he was 11 Billy Ramirez actually lived with Jackson for a month at Neverland. Jackson invited him and his two sisters after seeing their homemade rendition
4: of bad
12: and obviously he's a a legend now but he'll be more of a legend now that he's um
13: passed on few australians know jackson better than promoter paul dainty who brought the entertainer to australia in 1996. he was interested to know about
2: uh you know the sport sporting life in australia what people like the the rivalry between sydney and melbourne he was very tapped into
13: you know the local issues but did anybody really know him molly meldrum interviewed jackson several times
10: as much as i've you know, done those interviews um i'm almost as in much the dark
13: this is 18 year old tom Coppola. he was the winner of the today show competition to see jackson in london i've had the best day of my life to the worst day of my life today choreographer jason coleman says every dancer owes something to Michael Jackson.
11: Let's remember the silver glove. Let's remember those video clips. Let's remember that that this guy, although troubled in his private life, really did inspire two generations of young performers.
13: Of all the Australian fans, perhaps Jason Jackson is the most committed.
10: Hi, this is my Neverland in Australia. Neverland
13: in Norellan, Southwest Sydney. Tigers giraffes,
10: rhinoceros, it's just um, Michael all over and I love it so much and I come out here and and relax.
13: Inside a clue to the devotion Jackson inspired. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The house that's now a shrine.
14: Very upset. Um, uh, I've been crying all morning, and um, we'll miss him.
0: Mark Burrows, Nine News. I'm very grateful that you sacrificed that time and did that because it was so raw, and it was exactly how I was, sitting at home in tears and in shock myself, just breaking down at any opportunity out of, completely out of the blue i would just break down mm. for days so that portrayed me as i was at that time
5: so and the breaking down wasn't just days i think it was it was months like i specifically remember being at a shopping mall and it was months and months later
0: oh for sure and, and i'm still tearing up now i've had tears today in this call
5: and in the, at the mall, they had, because, you know, after he died, it was like everybody wanted to celebrate and wanted to, you know, get their mm. hands on some memorabilia. Every single music store didn't even sell merchandise. They didn't sell T-shirts in music stores. They had brought in racks and racks of Michael Jackson stuff. And it was, you know, they have like the the top 40 albums and they put the each cover in the order in which they are and... For, for for weeks and weeks and months, he was... Dom- like, in, number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Like, it was everywhere. The videos were playing on the screens. And I just remember, like, one moment at the shops, just looking around. And, you know, if he had not passed away and this, this was going on, it would have been the greatest thing ever. Everyone... You know, I
4: remember stores, like, you'd go into a store and where Michael would be on the shelves, there were no CDs. Yes. Because they were all sold out for ages. Yeah. That's like so true. Like, every CD.
5: And, like, had that been the case when Michael was alive, it would have been the most celebratory kind of wonderful thing ever. But because he had died and it had taken that for people to fall back in love with him... It just, it just made me cry, like, he's everywhere and everyone is loving it, but can you imagine the impact that that might have had if people had, you know, got around him while he was still with us? What happened wouldn't have happened, wouldn't have got to that point. If we didn't, the public, not like you and I and the, the four of us personally, but if the general public didn't alienate him and, you know, ostracize him the way that they did while he was alive, he would still be alive. It's just, it's, it's a crushing thought.
1: I remember after uh, calling you um, that when, when, um, after we got off the phone and I'd finished reading the news and it still hadn't come to pass that, that he'd, passed away at that point when I was seeing the news. I think it was still reporting cardiac arrest. I walked, uh, I think, I don't know how many hours it was later, but they finally, the news finally reported that he'd, he'd passed away. I then walked out of, I lived in like a granny flat at the time and my family, well, my brother and I lived in like a granny flat and my family lived in the main house. So I walked out of the little house we were in And my mum met me halfway. she I hadn't even told her anything. She must have seen it on the news independently. We didn't say anything. There was no words exchanged. She just hugged me for like five minutes. Just nothing had to be said. And it was just messed up. And then I, instead of sitting around looking at the news and trying, you know, and living in it I thought my my parents were like well let's go out let's just go and not be around the computers and let's just go out and and get some fresh air and talk about it because usually talking helps me move through things so I was like yeah cool let's do it we went out um made the decision to go to a shopping center which was probably a really silly decision because at that time I wasn't ready to celebrate like like the rest of the world was like when someone passes away if 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 Just say, for example, tomorrow somebody passed away like that I was a very casual fan of, like Bruno Mars or something, I probably would be ready to enjoy his music and celebrate, whatever. Um, with Michael, I was not ready for that. <laughs> I needed time to mourn and process it before I was ready to enjoy the music again. And as, literally hours after he passed away, I was walking through Sunshine Plaza and his music was coming out of every single shop. It didn't matter what shop it was, a music store or a fashion store. I remember going into a record store and and I was not in the right headspace. I was actually like mentally not ready to be talking to people. And I went up to this guy who was playing the music and I was like, why are you playing this? It just happened. What do you, you know, can you give it some time? And I was like getting angry at him and he must've been a casual fan. And he was like, what are you talking about? We're just celebrating him. And I just walked out angry. And then we went to a cafe And I had the unfortunate experience of hearing a guy like three meters away sitting with his family, a father, actually telling Michael Jackson jokes about plastic surgery or whatever um, at this time, just hours after he died. And I remember just standing up and going over to him and just raging at him in front of his whole family, just like, how dare you say that? The amount this man had to give up in his life, you know. And I just remember raging at him and then leaving there as well. And I pretty much don't have any other memories of that day. It was just a blur. Like you said, TJ, just a a bad dream, like a nightmare. It didn't seem real. And then slowly reality was sinking in of what happened. And it took weeks to get to move back to a point where I could be normal-ish again. And then... It's weird to kind of say, but like I know this is I don't know how this is going to come out, but like after Michael died, between the time Michael died and you know the This Is It album and and movie and then leading up until the Michael album, by and large apart from the first month, mostly it was a really celebratory happy time, I think. Weird to say, But it kind of it kind of got to a point about a month later for me where it was like the world was celebrating him again, and we were really exploring the art and celebrating the art, like we hadn't done in many years. I think.
4: Hmm. Oh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's so sad, but I'm I'm so glad that we were able to all get together and share these stories. Um, because like there are a lot of people that don't have this, what we have today.
5: Yeah. Look, well, someone, We'd- someone could be listening right now and and feeling like nine years removed. They finally had that moment where they could share it with someone. Like you know, they're not part of the conversation necessarily, but we are speaking to them. So yeah, well, they can they but, can be a part yeah.
1: of a conversation if they want to email in we you know if they want to share their thoughts with we us always,
0: that way. yeah we always get some really beautiful emails after these episodes and we don't do these to revel sit around reveling in sadness and morbid sad stories you know we're not doing that we're doing that it's just to talk and just to share our experiences with each other and today we've got you guys on joining us because all of our stories are connected. Like we've told our stories independently before, mm. but they're such parallel stories, and they were so interconnected. And um, this was such a good idea that we could do this for this episode today.
1: I, I um, the, the, I just feel even today devastated, like I did on that day. There's a part of me has like been able to acknowledge what happened and realize the reasons it happened, but there's a part of me that will never ever move on, which is uh, the ten years before Michael passed away. From really from the early early two thousands onwards, he had a a shocking decade, like an absolutely shocking decade. His record label turned against him. Um, close family friends sued him um, and brought criminal charges against him for crimes he never committed. He fought all of that with his head high and still managed to be a single father through all of it, an amazing father, and still by the end of it was ready to come back. And I'll never, ever be able to reconcile in myself that he wasn't able to fulfill that Come back after all of that.
4: I think it's absolutely incredible that he lived as long as he did, considering what he went through in that decade. Mm. If you think about that trial, I mean, the thing that's that, and the prior as, 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 decade.
7: <laughs> well,
4: the the thing about it, like to, to to be put on trial would be one thing, but to be put on trial for that, and being that he was arguably the most famous person on the planet who was, especially up until 93, um, you know, known as being an absolute lover of children, absolute, gave all he had for children and for them to have turned that against him and then to have had to have sit in that courtroom for those five months during that trial. And you see him on that last day, on the vindication day, and he he is so broken i just cannot believe he how did he even live through it and then to be able to after a little while you know pick the pieces up and hold his head up high and say no i'm 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 not done i'm not done you know he 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 fucking died fighting yeah yeah incredible man
0: He um he was a beacon and still is and will always be, especially for fans like us and fans out there listening. Um, I think we can always draw inspiration from how he survived everything prior. Like I had always hoped and envisioned him as like an elder statesman, you know, working for UNICEF or charities mentoring artists, you know, on maybe on TV shows and um, fostering artistic talent. I had always pictured him growing old and being around forever for as long as I would be anyway. Um, But I think his legacy, we can all like reach in to where he inspired us and do something that he's inspired us to do,
5: and he will I'm be around certain forever. That,
4: absolutely, I'm quite certain that none of us would be who we are today without Michael. Um, you know, he's so, the the thing is, and uh, Damien, back to the that news interview that you gave on on June 25th, 2009. You say in that clip, because I've got it, I, I watched it again the other day. You you say, people who are not fans like us, will not understand. And I'm sure that, you know, to people that don't have that level of love that and that, just that feeling that, of love that we have with Michael, they would think, you know, how could you be that upset if somebody died if you didn't ever know them? But, you know, the thing that, that's so great about this podcast is it's for people like us. Yeah. (laughs) What do you you say? By the fans for the fans.
1: Yeah. That's it. Uh, I just like back to what we were talking about at the start of the show. Like we are so lucky to have each other, you know, the four of us. And then, you know, our MJ fan friends around us as well. Not everyone has that. There are so, so, so many fans all around the world who don't have a physical connection, you know, with other fans in their world. It's either all online or they may not be an online person and they don't know many other fans. So, uh, at least... Yeah, I mean, look at Elise, who's just other.
5: recently joined the MJ cast. Yeah. She yeah. says she she didn't have her people until discovering you guys. I mean, it's it's the case in point that, you know, the goal has been achieved because... I mean, you've got a team member that came to this amazing, incredible group that only discovered it through searching for that. Like, it, the, it's, 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 yeah, like, it's amazing. When someone has a goal, like, you set out to achieve something for a particular purpose and you've just, like, absolutely achieved it with the MJ cast. Unbelievable.
0: Also like to just sort of encourage people out there, you know, start a local MJ group and then you can have like MJ mates that you catch up with like maybe just once a year for his birthday. Like I'm looking forward really much, looking forward to catching up with my local Perth MJ friends for our charity birthday lunch this year. And it's just at a restaurant that we said, oh, you know, have you got a place that we could have a table um, play some music on our table and um, we're all going to have lunch or dinner together and we do that every year we've done that for a few years now and i'm really looking forward to doing it again this year and you know i've got little group chats where we just message each other when there's some michael news or they listen to the episodes and they give big feedback on the episodes um so many group chats have you got
1: going on now q
0: it's impossible to count <laughs> impossible to count,
5: but Q <laughs> loves notifications, so no, make he, sure if you're in one of those group chats, don't ever put all of your thoughts in one message. make sure you as they <laughs> as they come to you, hit send and if another one comes straight away after type it out individually, yep,
0: and if you see me leave that group. To stop getting those notifications.
5: And don't forget to tag the MJ cast in anything that you ever think that you might want to post on Twitter. (laughs) Lucky we can edit edit this out, thank God. So (laughs)
0: it's not a live show. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I do encourage people to start a little local MJ group. You can do it easily online. Facebook, you know, name it after your town where you are. And just sort of people will search for it. So go out and search. And if you can't find one for your town, start one. And then you can do this. It's easy.
5: It's amazing that more of them don't exist. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking about it and you know, create a Michael Jackson fan group and I think, oh yeah, that sounds pretty batshit crazy. Um, but then the more I was thinking about it <laughs> what a No no a no confidence the more kick. the more I'm thinking about it as as you're explaining it, I'm thinking, <laughs> Well, you know, I love I love football and I'll go with fifty thousand other people who love football to sit in a stadium and watch a game together, like, you know. That's fucking crazy. Pe- That's- <laughs> people, who love like, people who love, like, vintage cars, they'll all get together every every couple of weeks and, you know, go on a rally or drive together or motorbikes or whatever it is that people love or, you know, people have a knitting group or book club or whatever it is, but why don't we have Michael Jackson Club or more commonly have Michael Jackson Club? It's one of, I mean, he's the most popular entertainer that ever existed, it's qu- quite astonishing that it, it's not more common, really. So well, it's I a think, great idea. I think there I think are
1: you- there those groups. There's a lot of them online, though. So online,
5: yeah. But peop- the- it's a very it's a different thing when you get together with someone face to face. Yeah, it's I different
0: agree. when you're breaking bread and you know having lunch together and listening to music or play a game. Like last year at the birthday thing, you know, we played a game where you play like one second of a song and then you have to guess. And then, you know, we all have, like, doubles of magazines or doubles of books or something, and uh, we just use those as prizes. Yeah, It was so easy to do. Like, go on YouTube. There's YouTube games that you can do at these little things to celebrate his birthday and, you know, make it something for a good cause.
1: And I find people in real life are (laughs) – Usually a little bit nicer than they are online as well. I don't know if you guys have found that. It's amazing.
5: (laughs) It's amazing what can happen when you take away the computer screen and the keyboard. It's amazing. Yeah. So, TJ, like I think you and I sort
0: of did something locally um, after Michael passed. Like you went to some sort of vigil or something in Sydney.
4: Yeah, uh, I even remember the date. It was the 4th of July. So, really, only a couple of weeks after Michael passed away. Uh, I don't remember how it was organised, but there was, at a Sydney's Hyde Park, just a bunch of fans just gathered. And people spoke. It was almost like, like a wake, really. We, we got together and we, you know, shared stories and we were together... But it was just, it was one of those moments where we got to be together. I remember um, Jason Jackson, who performed at that MJ50 party we were talking about before. I remember, I didn't know he was going to be there. I remember seeing him approaching this gathering of people from a distance with, I mean, he, he looked like he was Michael Jackson. There were like three or four different news cameras following, like chasing him, basically. Um... He didn't perform or anything there. He just he was there to be with everybody and share stories. I think, and he, it was supposed um,
0: to... helped organize that event, if I remember. Oh, online. I think he was one of the organizers,
4: right? And then yeah. it was supposed to be. I'm pretty sure it was like an early afternoon type event or mid afternoon, and it was supposed to sort of end around, let's say, for argument's sake, five p.m. or something. But everybody stayed together. For hours and hours and hours, the sun went down, and the the gathering transitioned from Hyde Park. Those in Sydney will know where I'm talking about, but from Hyde Park to Martin Place, where it was then dark. Somebody had brought some massive stereo speakers on, like these you know those trolley things you move a fridge on. <laughs> yeah, somebody brought two massive speakers on those, which, I don't know, they must have had a battery powered or a generator or something. But basically, throughout Martin Place, blasting Michael. And everybody, there must have been at this point, 50 to 70 people stood holding hands in a giant circle, dancing, singing, and then people would... Some people would get into the middle of the circle and dance. Um... It was the most beautiful thing and what I think what was most beautiful about it was that that moment, that after dark and when everybody was at Martin Place and listening to music and holding hands and sharing was completely unplanned and spontaneous and it really honestly felt like Michael was there with us.
0: Over in Perth, I don't remember the date, but there was a park down the road from where I was living and it was near a venue that Michael had actually performed at with his brothers back in the J5 days actually. It was a a venue that was a swimming pool they'd used it in the Commonwealth Games but they must have also used it for various concerts I guess for the seating capacity or something like that so there was a big park next to that and I guess just like local Facebook groups there was people that had organised this sort of vigil in the evening and It was huge. There was so many people there. And, you know, we had T-shirts on. It was a fairly chilly evening. So jackets, scarves. We couldn't really have candles, but people had the battery-operated candles and a lot of torches. And I remember just walking down with a backpack with, you know, some torches and stuff in and bumping into some... At that time, I didn't know a lot of local fan friends, but Jesse and Jermaine who I'd met at the MJ50 um, Bucharest Cinema Screening that was held by <gasps> Sony. Uh, yeah. I'd met them then, and they were there at this thing as well. And it it was really good. It was like, you know, we all sang, and we were cheering, like doing Michael yells out, and it was it was so good to be around that many people. And now, like, you know, our little Perth Facebook group is pretty small our turnouts for the charity dinners a charity lunches they do grow every year but like where are all these people that were you know there was probably over a hundred i would say Mm. and where are they now like that makes me sad and i think well we were all together then where are they all now they've all just drifted away
3: took the boxes off the stage My heart was crushed in disarray The world was frozen and engaged To find that King had slipped away I walked through the street Feel so alone With questions and pain But the only
0: should Michael be remembered I think Michael should be remembered with a smile
8: on his face that's it and what a smile it was yeah that's how I see him I always see him with a smile on his face
6: you know
0: Hector we have a question that we ask as many guests as we can how should Michael be remembered
11: so I think Michael could be remembered like a very influential man, you know, he influenced the music, the dance, the, the videos, a lot of, of stuff in the entertaining, so mm. yeah.
1: That's great, thank you. That's, That's it. Thank you Hector. Now, uh, another
2: question we always ask our guests when they come on the show is how do you think Michael should be remembered? And I guess we get an insight into that through your books. But if you could boil down into
9: I guess a sound bite, I mean, how how should Michael be remembered?
11: I think first and foremost, he should be remembered as one of the greatest artists of the past century. He was a singular artist. like there's just, you know, like I said, there's so many people that try to uh, in some ways model what they do after him. You know, we we could work through like a list of dozens of people that cite him as as their inspiration, but there will never ever be another Michael Jackson. I mean, he's just he's so unique. He had this really unusual education in terms of you know going through Motown, um, just the people that he was able to study and draw from, and then just his natural ability and then his curiosity. You know, just just consuming everything. Having this extensive library, this extensive kind of warehouse to to draw from. the the number one thing for me, you know, like you said, maybe not surprisingly, given the book that I wrote, but um is I just think he should be recognized as just one of the most unique and and brilliant artists we've we've ever had.
1: Ola, we have one final question for you that we ask every single guest that we ever have on the MJ cast. and it's I mean, how how do you think Michael Jackson should be remembered?
12: Uh, as the, the baddest entertainer of all time. A person that was full of love. All he, he he eliminated, if you were to have met Michael, he had an aura around him. I mean, it was amazing just to have been in his company. So I would say, yeah, he was the baddest entertainer of all time, <laughs> and he was love, The definition of love,
10: yeah. This is Mike Smallcombe author of Making Michael, Inside the Career of Michael Jackson, and you're listening to the MJ cast.
1: TJ, first time on the MJ cast. We've been so lucky and happy to have you on the show. You've um, come super prepared, unlike Q&I, with a find of the week.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I don't know if if the fans know about this or not. I'd never heard of it until I saw it last night. This video called If Michael Jackson Made Thriller Today, Uh, Or it's also called Michael Trapson, The Grave. And it's like a a fan-made modern interpretation of the thriller short film. I I found it very, very fun and interesting. And the dude looks in some way nothing like Michael and in other ways exactly like Michael. It's quite an interesting um, video. So I'd love if... Um, I could submit that as my find of the week.
1: We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Fun. And Damien, I think you've come with one as well.
5: Well, yeah, I wasn't sure whether we would be doing this or not. but um, (laughs) We are now. I I know you've talked about John Cameron's Musicology and the Michael Jackson uh, content that he's been putting out, which um, is amazing. But I also found out about this audio documentary which is an hour long um, and it's on YouTube and it's basically, um, I think it's called Trevor Nelson Thriller, Michael Jackson's Masterpiece. It's about the making of the Thriller album and I'm fairly sure it was done while Michael was still alive in 2008 and it's just an hour long kind of audio experience that takes you through the making of the songs on the Thriller album and the era, and it's just sourced from arch- archival interviews with Quincy and Bruce and and Rod and um, and Michael and and all of the music playing throughout, and it's just really cool. and I thought, you know, if people hadn't heard it before, it would be worth checking out. I really, really enjoyed listening to it, um, so I would yeah highly suggest. So it's a Thriller theme for the for the finds of the week. Awesome. <laughs> Love that.
1: What a fine. That will be really good.
5: It's a UK documentary. So the guy's, I think he's from BBC Radio 2 or something like that. I'm not sure. Oh, 100% is this the sure. one where
1: they um, interview Rod Temperton? Um, is that a different one I'm
5: thinking of? It's got a lot of Rod Temperton stuff in there. I'm not sure how much of it is new interviews or how much of it is sourced, just archival stuff. There's a lot of like interviews that everyone will be very familiar with, but it's just the way that it's pieced together in a way that tells a story of the album as opposed to, you know, I really like when people bring material together and piece it in a way that actually allows you to learn the full story of something because if we don't do that as, I mean, this is just me speaking as like a writer, I guess, if we don't do that, if we don't pull all of the pieces of the puzzle together and put them in their correct place and allow someone to see the full picture, um, we, we're we going to have to rely on fans to be spending their entire life on YouTube, searching random videos and trying to figure out the history of stuff. I mean, we have an opportunity to create documentaries and literature. Why, why shouldn't we? It's a, and this thriller thing is just really, really cool, really well done and um, a great listen.
0: Well, while you're on the topic, Damien, did are you online that you want to share any profiles that people can contact
5: you on? Pretty much just on Twitter at the moment, at Damien Shields. So I don't... I've taken a big step back from social media and just for a few different reasons, but um, enjoying my privacy, but I do still engage with Michael Jackson fans on Twitter. It's pretty much the only reason I use Twitter is to talk about Michael and to find Michael news and to share what you guys are doing because that's always always valuable content so it's just limited use but um i can be contacted so don't be shy i also have my website com, but i i can't even remember the last time i posted something on there that's more for like an archive thing now i've forgotten how to log in yeah. and actually post it well it's been that long i just don't even remember how to get on there so <laughs> Damon will
0: help you with that he's good with that tj are you back online these days anywhere
4: just twitter i i just I like Twitter. It's simple. It's easy. It's it's good enough for me. So I'm just at tabloid junk.
0: Excellent. And uh Jamin, our profiles? Yes.
1: All right. We are all over the interwebs. We are at themjcast.com. That's where you can access it's like a portal to everything else we have, like shows, articles, um, Casio case, court docs, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, We are on social media at the MJ cast over on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. But the way that we would like you to engage with us the most is through a podcast application. So if you're on an Apple device, you can access us on Apple Podcasts or Overcast. If you are on an Android device, you can get us on lots of different podcasting apps, including Podcast Republic, which our very own Elise Capron uses and vouchers for. Um, If you want any help getting on a podcast app, just hit us up on Twitter um, with some questions and we can probably help you there. Otherwise, you can email us if you've got any feedback at all on the show. You can email us at themjcast.icloud.com. We love talking with our listeners about all kinds of things. So please contact us there and uh, give us your thoughts. And maybe if you've got a spare second during the day, think about rating and reviewing us On Apple Podcasts. It takes just a few seconds but helps us out big time with getting our name out there and visibility in the Apple Podcasts store.
0: And thank you for anyone that also reviewed us on any other apps such as Facebook. We have some amazing Facebook reviews on our page as well. People have let me know that they are on their Android devices listening to us on the Podcast Addict app. So if you have an Android Ah. device... That's another one that you can look at that we are. And if you've got a different one on an Android device, then let us know and we can mention that if you enjoy and it's an easy thing to use because to get our shows delivered to your device, it's just a click of one button. That's it. It's that easy.
14: Over me, every time I hear your songs, and all of these melodies keep coming back to me. Even though I know you're gone, there may never be brighter star in our galaxy. years old and brave when you stepped on that stage you owned it like a man but your future didn't tell fame would be your prison cell where you could understand your feet ever touched the ground Out of sight out of mind Won't happen this time, cause time and soul always stays around Name the selfless king Was it worth everything to give your innocence. Could it be the crown that finally weighed you down? ground Out of sight, out of mind Won't happen this time Cause timeless always Stays around All of these Memories Keep washing over me Even though I know You're gone There will never be a brighter star in my galaxy to come, Lord. There will never be a brighter star in my galaxy to come.
1: I will ask you, how do you think Michael should be remembered?
15: Oh man, to talk about loaded questions. That's a really loaded question. <laughs> Cause there's so, you know, there's it's so complex many... for you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and you know, because I, I mean, wow. It's, you know, that man had, first of all, he, he, he really had like three lives. The first life was as little Michael Jackson from the Jackson 5, which was completely different from anything that happened when he was an adult. The second life was as Michael Jackson from the Jacksons, which was different from life with the Jackson 5. The third life is the King of Pop. And um, in all three of those lives, you know, I mean, he went through so much stuff. He lived the lives of several people, not just those three. But he lived the lives of probably five or six people with all of the things that happened in that time. And what we know about Michael Jackson, he can be remembered either with great fondness or in infamy for so many different things. You know, so, well, how should he be remembered? I mean, I guess if it's up to me, You know, I think of Michael most fondly as a member of the Jacksons, really. I think of him most fondly as little Michael from the Jackson 5 and the guy in the Jacksons. The reason that I think of him that way most fondly is because that really is the time in his life that it seemed to me that he was the most carefree about doing his thing. You know, everything once he became Michael the Superstar was calculated and, 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 you know, perfectly planned and timed and and you know about publicity and and it it stopped being fun and I mean I I got to see some of that up close it just wasn't fun anymore you know because it, it it's a lot of work being the king of pop isn't it I mean keep maintaining that image maintaining what supports that image because a lot of that is just hype so you know I watched him go through a bunch of stuff even while I was with him I watched him I watched him I watched, uh, you know, Tommy Mottola, uh, dig in on him because, you know, he wanted to get the record done. That was when we were working on dangerous and I watched Tommy dig in on why well, I didn't see it, you know, Tommy came to the studio, went in the room, they were in the room for 10 minutes. He came out and left. And when Michael came out, he was crying. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've, I've seen him go through so many different things. Um, so I guess with the memories, even with the music, you know, I tend to separate who Michael Jackson, the superstar, was from that other Michael Jackson, and it's the other Michael Jackson, the younger one. Is the one that you know, the one that I didn't know because when I listened to Michael Jackson, from the Jackson Five, I don't think I knew that guy. I think of that was little Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? He was a different, uh, he was a different person to me than the guy I knew. Even Michael Jackson from Thriller. Was a different guy than the guy I knew. So it's it's really a hard call to say, you know, how should he be remembered? Just you know, as a great musician, as a great, uh, uh, the greatest, one of the greatest uh, crooners of all time ever. He had one of the best singing voices I've ever heard, and I guess that's probably the best way for us to remember him as a great performer who loved to perform and was really, really good at it. And a final question that we always
2: ask our guests at the end of each show. How do you personally believe that Michael should be remembered?
9: Oh my goodness, Michael Jackson should be remembered as the greatest single entertainer of all time. And I might add that he should also be remembered for the song Earth Song, in which he says we are running out of time and begs us to think about us and begs us to do the right thing because the planet is crying tears and we need to save it. That's who Michael Jackson was. That's who Michael Jackson is. And his message and his music will live on forever and hopefully will help save this planet.
1: What a way to summarize, Michael. Thank you.
9: (laughs) Well, that's how
7: I feel.
11: Hey, this is Taj Jackson of 3T and you're listening to the MJ cast. Gentlemen,
0: I want to say thank you very much for today. This has been exactly what I'd hoped for. And um, I'm going to really enjoy listening back to this again. So Damien Shields, thanks for joining us again on the MJ cast. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And TJ, thank you so much. It's been so great catching up with you this year when um, I get to visit your city and We've been asking for a while, when can you come on the show? When can you come on the show? And I'm really glad that you've joined us for today. And I don't think this will be the last time we hear from you.
4: <laughs> Thanks. Me too. I, I, actually, I was a little bit, I, you know, I wondered how I'd feel about joining you guys today, being that it is such a sad day. But uh, again, being that Michael really gave us this gift of this friendship, I'm, I'm so glad that I got to share it with you guys. I love you very much
0: you too
1: love, love, love you more, all man. of you guys we are the awesome foursome <laughs> yeah.
4: I wouldn't call myself
0: awesome but you guys are pretty awesome <laughs> you are trust me alright well I'm going to say farewell is now thank you for joining us everyone uh, go out and do something for Michael today and Michael on
1: keep Michaeling. okay bye keep your head up
4: I'm joking I'm joking oh <laughs> 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 <Woo>. <laughs> Something that you usually do. I've never heard of a post show on your show. After Nearly every
1: time after the music finishes, we have a post show. Oh, I always out.
5: stop it. I didn't know there was more stuff to no, listen to.
4: That's
1: where the best stuff is. This is oh, where wow. like,
5: this is where it goes from like you've been watching like your evening news and then like maybe the children's shows, and then it hits that time bracket of the of the night where you can start to swear on the TV and So that's the part where I should have said awesome foreskin. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> All right, so Q's, um, Q's left us now to go off to work or whatever he's doing. And uh, what do you guys want to chat about?
5: I wanted to tell the story about the day that we... The the media started reporting that Michael was in talks with AEG to do. At that time, I think they were talking 30 shows at the O2. And that's... All right.
1: Because we've had... I've s- never told this story on the show before. I'm a bit embarrassed.
5: Well, yeah, it's, it's a good story. I like the story a lot. I don't um, know it. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> there is so many moments where we have... Just by pure coincidence, being together when big Michael Jackson moments have happened. Like, for example, like we discussed earlier with Q being at my house, the, the very moment that the This Is It tickets went on sale. Like that was just amazing. We got to buy the tickets together. But this time, this is like before the, the This Is It tour had even been announced. I had um, gone to Brisbane to hang out with Jamin. Jamin was... You must have still been in university <laughs> then, were you? What
1: I was at uni. I was in university. I was living at, in an old Queenslander at Tawong. yeah, um, near the Brisbane River, uh, with, with my cousin. Who and
5: your two cousins? Yeah.
1: Well, actually no, one of my cousins, but the other cousin would come to visit a lot.
5: But yeah. who was that? The guy's name Doctor Who? I don't can't remember.
1: D- well, he, uh, his real name's David Garrett, but everyone just called him Doctor Who because he was like this mad physicist student who like yeah he and he had yeah we he loved Doctor Who as well, so that's what we all called him
5: so anyway um the whole the whole purpose of the night was just to hang out with to hang out with jamin and to then later in the evening as a representative of the maximum Jackson fan site, I was going to attend the thrill the world um thing in Brisbane, so obviously if anyone doesn't know what thrill the world is, it's when People all around the world come together in groups and they all simultaneously dance the thriller routine. And it's just like a Guinness World Record thing. Yeah. So um, it was pretty popular. I was never going there to
1: dance. I I was going there just to hang out with Damo. Yeah. In fact, I don't even know if I had plans to go, did I?
5: And I wasn't (laughs) going to dance either. I was just going there to report on it for Maximum Jackson. So the, the intention was to go. Um, in our Michael gear, like a Michael t-shirt or I had a Thriller jacket and um, they were going to have like a pre-party where they were going to have, you know, some, you know, food, like a barbecue kind of thing, like at someone's house, a few drinks and then everyone would go together and I'm thinking that it's going to be this like celebratory Michael kind of thing and um, anyway, the whole thing started back at Jamin's house and um, they had a bit of a like a campfire out in the backyard, if I remember correctly. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we had like a brick outdoor area with like a, I don't know what you call them. They're a like a iron, cast iron, it was like a fire pit. Yeah. 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 We're all sitting around that. Yeah.
5: And so Jamin's <sighs> having a few wines. And um, I wasn't drinking because I. Pretty had,
1: much. Yeah. I think I was drinking straight out of a goon sack. You were. Me. Yeah.
5: It was, <laughs> You're <laughs> and, my soul sister. Um, uh- <laughs> so, so Jamin was just yes yeah, drinking straight from the goon sack and um <laughs> i wasn't drinking because i i had to drive to the um the, the thrill the world thing so i was staying sober and um was well,
1: that the first time you'd, you'd seen me in that kind of state or oh
5: yeah yeah so <laughs> it's a bit wild Jamin's. <laughs> Two cousins are a little bit out there. They had quite extroverted personalities, from what I can remember, and they were quite funny and you know having a bit of a laugh and telling stories about you know their their days back in school and and whatever else. And it was all it was all good and fun. Awkward and,
1: adolescent uh, incidents. They were all they were all memory.
5: drinking quite heavily, and and then all of a sudden, I somehow discovered that the news had broken that AEG was in talks with Michael to do a residency at the O2 and so I bring it up with like we weren't even talking about Michael at the time we were just laughing and having a good time and so I bring it up with Jamin and we're you know we're getting all excited and talking about this news that that um that Michael was you know potentially going to return to the stage and and it was coinciding with the Thriller World and it was just like full Michael immersion and I think we went, went into full Michael zone after that and um it kind of got us in a little bit more level of excitement for the Thrill the World thing because all of a sudden you've gone from Michael Jackson's the guy that's you know going to the shops with band-aids on his face and getting pushed around in a wheelchair to now the media is seriously reporting that he's actually going to do a comeback tour. And I don't know, it just lifted my spirits a little bit personally knowing where we were going and what we were going to do. We were going to be around other Michael fans and doing an, a whole different Michael thing. It was kind of just, it it, it was, I don't know what the word is. But it was it was a it was a coincidence. Anyway, because Jamin's been having a few drinks, he was he was getting a little bit <laughs> a little bit rowdy. And we <laughs> we ended up we ended up going with We ended up we jumped in a car. We jumped in with my car um, with the cousins. You were
1: driving, I'm pretty sure the cousins came, but the, the thing with this is I gotta preface this by saying that there's two kinds of Michael Jackson fans, okay? There's like fans like us that are like hardcore MJ, everything's about MJ to us. And then there's casual fans who might like the Thriller album and, you know, enjoy Beat It, Billie Jean, those kind of things. The people that were at this Thrill the World thing, I thought we were going to like a hardcore Michael Jackson party with people like us. So I thought we, I. That's where we were heading. <laughs> we weren't going somewhere like that. We were going to an official Guinness World Records competitive thing where casual fans were going to dance like Thriller. It was not a big Michael Jackson event, so so we're going to talk gone, about and you what
4: we and everything, right, Jamie? So we <laughs> nearly. <laughs> no, no, no! I went even
1: more insi- I went even more inside baseball than yeah, that. He went inside oh, wow.
5: baseball so, to d- the max. He wore his PJs.
1: <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like these. I was like, I don't actually have any MJ costumes, like jackets <laughs> and that. I'm gonna. These guys are gonna know what I'm doing. I'm gonna wear my my Peter Alexander's, and. <laughs> MJ wears pajamas everywhere in public. They'll get it, right? Anyway, yeah, it was right we jumped in the car.
5: He was, getting, he was in his PJs in a wheelchair getting pushed around and like dressing with a Zorro mask and a bloody aqua. And he was drunk. And he was yep. drunk and he was, he was high-spirited, put it that way. He was revved up and so were the cousins. And I remember getting in the car and the, the cousins were so like out of control. They were throwing bottles out of the window and I'm just like, oh my goodness, what have I got myself into here? These guys are going to ruin the whole <laughs> Michael Jackson thing for me because Jamin's cousins couldn't behave themselves and Jamin was all excited. Anyway, we get to this event, not expecting it to be anything other than Michael fans. So, the first thing we do is we walk in because it's like I said, we're having the <laughs> like, food, like food and drinks before the actual world record attempt because the world record attempt was going to be something stupid like three in the morning or something, or even four in the morning. I think the sun was even potentially coming up once this thing finished. So, um, and it was October. So, it would have been... It could have even been four or five in the morning. So, we were staying up late um, all through the night to do this. We arrived at this house and the first thing that Jamin notices is, where's the MJ music? They were in, yeah. and, and not only where's the MJ music, this is 2008. This is not long after Just Lose It, Eminem. They were playing Eminem and it was still a sore subject back then for fans Uh to, you know, that's just not on. Why on earth are you playing Eminem at a Michael Jackson gathering?
1: Exactly. you got to understand I'm walking in thinking these guys are hardcore fans. I'm like, how could they disrespect? Mm. They should know better. So I get in there. (laughs) I go, they have this big... They have this... This guy didn't have like... An iPod plugged into a speaker system Or anything like that This guy had like a big proper Like a mixing desk And like a computer set up So I get in there I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm on my hands and knees I'm pulling out this guy's people. cabling
5: He's going behind <laughs> this guy's desk set up And he's unplugging stuff Just to get The M&M off
1: See I'm trying to plug my iPhone in To put That's Billy on or something this show like that Just
4: to get the M&M off <laughs>
1: So, I'm trying to do that. And then at the same time, roughly the same time, I hear one of these quote-unquote Michael Jackson fans at this party saying pedophile jokes about MJ.
5: Oh, Jamin just was not having it. Jamin started to cause a scene and- (laughs) i'd pre-arranged with the guy who was like because every every thrill the world has like an event leader like they're the ones that coordinate the rehearsals they're the ones that coordinate the location that you're going to do it and like they're the one that sent out the newsletter and everything so they're in charge of it basically and um I'm thinking, oh, my God, like I've got this good relationship going with this guy. I'm here in a professional capacity. I'm going to be like the news reporter for it. I'm going to write an article about it. It's going to be a whole thing. And Jamin is drunk and commandeering the, the sound system. And now he's heard the pedophile jokes and he's all revved up. And so, anyway, Jamin, they asked you to leave and me to leave. And then I was in between a rock and a hard place. I'm like, oh my god, like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> what am I gonna do? Because I really like, I want to go and see the event, but James being kicked out, like, and um, so it was like, <laughs> his he was being difficult, <laughs> to put it kindly. We got out onto the curb once we've been kicked out of these people's house, and James was just raging and I just basically (laughs) cracked the shits with him and I just grabbed him physically and like shook him (laughs) and I said, I said something like, can you just like behave yourself for a second and threw him in the car, (laughs) like physically threw him in the car and I said, I'm taking you home. (laughs) (laughs) I took him home. (laughs) I drove him home, dropped him off and then went back to the event without him. (laughs) And the best... But
1: the, that's just... Then there's part two, isn't there? The something went, something is, wasn't quite right about the event.
5: I get... So, okay. So, I go back to the house. And this is in Brisbane. And I'm not from Brisbane. I don't live in Brisbane. I've never really even been to Brisbane at this point in my life. And um, so, I've parked at this guy's house. And then we've all kind of made our way together to the um, rooftop of the... I think it was the Queen Street Mall like the the Maya Center or something in, in Brisbane, like downtown Brisbane. That's where they were doing it on the rooftop at the car park. And um, so everyone's sitting around and like waiting for this thing and I'm kind of just... Everyone's dressed as a zombie, but I'm wearing my thriller jacket and I think <laughs> they thought I was there to... Tr- well, I know they thought I was there to try and steal the show. Like... I'm dressed as and Michael. And you were happy to
4: oblige them, right?
5: No, no, no. Not at all. I'm dressed as Michael. or so, so they thought because I had a thriller jacket on. They were all dressed as zombies because they they were there to do the dance. Now at one point I got they did the routine. So they've we, we sit around for hours waiting for the right time because it's like it's like walkie talkies or some weird shit that they had back in 2008 they had it. Everyone's getting the countdown over these walkie-talkies. Everyone's tuned into this like radio station where the music will play so that everyone can like stick to the rules and do it at exactly the same time, no matter where in the world you were. And it, so it counts down, and everyone. I'm imagining.
1: I'm imagining the guy from Bucharest at the end with the long hair, and he's got the giant walkie-talkie.
5: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's literally what it was. And so he's counted it down, and it's it's all gonna happen. And then they do the routine. And then it finishes and then so I go and I approach the guy who had organized the whole thing to ask him questions, you know, like, you know, what does this event mean to you? And like, you know, what does Michael Jackson mean to you? And, um, you know, um, how does it feel to be part of a world record attempt? And, you know, all the questions that I had planned in my head and, you know, basically he cut me off and said, look, I don't even want to talk to you. And I was like, huh? he's like you need to get it through your thick head this event has nothing to do with Michael Jackson this is not a Michael Jackson event he's like this is a world record attempt and I said (laughs) okay with all due respect you're using a Michael Jackson song and a Michael Jackson dance routine from a Michael Jackson short film that is so famous and synonymous (laughs) with Michael Jackson that this event could not exist Without Michael Jackson, and, and PS, totally... you're a cockhead. And he... what well, was nice about it, and I was like, like, like the Michael Jackson fans who I'm here to report to—they're interested in this because it's you know, it's Michael, like it's it's everything that Michael represents. And and that year, 2008, Michael had even given the event a shout out. He had actually like acknowledged that it was happening, oh. and and think- um. I can't remember the platform he used to do that, but like there was, there was like he had like recognized it and said that it was great, and um, so this guy's like, it's not a Michael Jackson thing, and I'm saying, well, you know, there are several reasons why Michael Jackson fans are interested in this, Um, and he turns to me and he goes, "This event is as much about Rod Temperton and Quincy Jones as it is about Michael Jackson," and I said, (laughs) "Well," (laughs) I said. Not really, but, like, you know, if you're saying that... I didn't see then, their short film. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't see Rod Temperton dancing the thriller dance that you've just used to get in the Guinness Book of World Records. Like, um, so I said to him, well, if you want to get that technical, this event is technically a Michael Peters event, and... I just got snarky with him and I said, you can just go and fuck yourself. And I just walked off and I think (laughs) I called him a cunt or something like that. I was, I just tried to be so patient with the whole thing. You know, the Eminem music and the bad attitude that they had when Jamin and I were there. And Jamin wasn't being like rude when he was like, oh, let's put some MJ music on. He was just like, hey, like, let's put some MJ music on. Like, let's. And they just weren't playing ball with us. Like, they just... Their attitude was so bad. By the end of it, yeah, I just told him to shove it up his ass and um, left the event. And I wrote a truthful review of what it was. I was like, you know, I was there to represent the fan site and I thought it was going to be this great thing. Um, and it turned out the people who ran the event were just a bunch of assholes. And um, yeah, and then the next day, the guy who had... Um, Organise the whole event. They'd taken this f- group photo and they asked me to come in the group photo even though I didn't dance and I wasn't part of the world record because I had the thriller jacket on. They had me doing a Michael pose uh, in my thriller jacket and then all of the zombies all around me like it was, you know, like a recreation of that famous thriller shot where Michael's got all of the... Yeah. You know, his cast and crew around him after they filmed the video kind of thing. And um, he used this photo and he put this emoji over my face like this like total <laughs> mockery emoji and he's just sent this newsletter out to everyone who was on the mailing list and said check out the dickhead who tried to hijack our event now who's laughing and i was just like <laughs> what a bunch of <laughs> fucking turds and i never paid attention to a thrill of the world again after that that was the last time and that- there was never another error? pardon is that an I think annual so, event? I think it's still going
7: annual, on
1: now.
5: Yeah. Oh right. That I mean, that was the last thrill of the world that happened during Michael's lifetime. Anyway, so after that, it kind of just becomes. I don't know everything I'm interested in while Michael's alive kind of falls away after he dies, and I'm just listening to his music and watching his videos now. I don't really care for any of these other things too much anymore. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was just a it was a funny funny little thing, and Jamin and I were there. For the whole thing together, and it was it was fun.
1: <laughs> you know what the that was a wild day. You know what was another wild day, breaking news day.
5: Oh my god, that was the well, yeah, <sighs> that was the
1: best. Up TJ, you and I were talking a lot on that day.
5: We all were. Yeah, we
1: were. I I I remember. What do you remember? TJ was the first. Yeah, what do you remember? I, okay, I I don't remember much about prior to the stream. I just knew when the stream was coming on. I was really excited. Uh, I'd heard some Jackson family members bagging it out saying um, it wasn't really him. I was like, yeah, but you guys said there was an impersonator and this is it as well. And that wasn't true. Uh, It turns out it was true. So I didn't place much credence on what they had to say. But I streamed the song. I was in the middle of, um, I was working at Optus, a telephone, like a mobile phone shop at the time. So uh, it was noisy, people everywhere. I had crappy earphones on, um, trying to listen to the song, trying to stream it. Because I think it streamed in the afternoon. Yep. Australia time or I don't know, something like that. I'm streaming it. I'm listening to it. I couldn't, I I really, I, I still can't. I remember hearing it and thinking this doesn't really, there's a lot of voices there, but there was no doubt in my mind that it was him. I was like, yeah, Michael's got to be in there. It's got to be him. Uh, there's just a lot of voices. There's a lot of production. I can't really figure it out. I'll listen to it again later when I have more time. I get on the bus on the way home from work. I listen to it again. I wasn't that familiar with the whole Jason Malachi thing, really, um, at that point, like a lot of other people were. So I'm listening to it thinking, oh, yeah, I can sort of make out his voice, but why is it so buried in all those vocals? TJ, you, you ring me on the phone around this time when I'm on the bus, and you're like, what the hell's going on? That, that doesn't sound like Michael. What are they doing? You're all confused. I'm like... What, what do you mean? It sounds like him to me. It's just got a lot of production, Teddy Riley stuff going on. It's him. I managed to somehow sort of convince you it's him for a minute. You get off the phone. You, then, Damien, you ring me. I'm off the bus at this point walking back to the house along the river and you're angry at me. You're like, what are you talking about? It's not him. How come you can't recognize it's Jason Malachi? Oh, that was a wild day. I thought you were a nutcase, Damien. I thought I thought that you had lost your marbles. But, but in, all fa-
5: <laughs> in all fairness, though, if you aren't familiar with Jason Malachi at that point, how on earth could you identify Jason Malachi? If you don't know who he is or what he sounds like, there's no conceivable way that you could be expected to identify that it was him. And at that point, like, the, the song was created to deceive and to make you believe that it was Michael. That was the point of it. So, it's like, I mean, there's no shame in admitting that some fans immediately just thought, well, it must be him. They, hadn't, they had no reason to believe it would be somebody else other than the Jacksons saying it was fake, which, I mean, at that point in time, it's, you know, I feel ashamed about it now, but we just thought the Jacksons were full of crap and just trying to piss on the party.
4: You used the word before, Jamin, um, that I called you and I was confused. That is exactly... How I felt Is that That's the word That In fact I um, Damien and I were chatting about this Only a couple of days ago And I went and rewatched my vlog That I recorded Well I actually recorded several vlogs About that whole thing And that's the word I kept using at the time even Like I was I was confused It was like It wasn't Didn't quite I didn't know I couldn't Get it into my head I could not fathom That this deceit could have happened I just couldn't Like why would they? You know what I'm saying? Like mm. it doesn't sound right, mm. but I still I was like it can't. They couldn't have. They couldn't have. Uh, and then that kind of that faded into utter bitterness. And I didn't listen to the Michael album for about five years. I never listened to any of the songs on it, even though everyone was saying that you know um, "Best of Joy" is a great song and all that. I was like that may be, but I was so
5: bitter. Bitter. Angry. Some of us were so bitter that we spent the next eight years investigating it. Yeah, it was... And, and that is the moment, isn't it?
4: That absolutely ripped the fan community apart beyond repair. That That is the moment.
5: I do wonder what... I do wonder what would have been of the Michael Jackson fan community had that not happened. Yeah. I mean... We were very united up until that moment. We were.
1: i tell you what would have happened. It would... It'd be like... Um. It, it'd be like... Uh... What it is now, I think there'd still be a core group of us, like us guys, still being critical of the estate because they've made other poor decisions, which they would have gone on to make. But I think the percentage of critical to supportive would be way more skewed. We would feel more alone, I think, in our criticism because the support would be overwhelming. In a way, the Michael album fiasco made it so that being critical was a bit more accepted now. Back then it wasn't. 2011 and twelve to 12, that was hard. That was a difficult time to be critical. Yeah. Because you had the fan communities. Like it didn't matter where you go. I remember being on Max Jackson, like the the owners of the forum actually came out and said pretty much, you know, if you're going to discuss this album, you've got to be careful how you do it. Like there were so many controls around what you could talk about, what you couldn't, which is why so many of us left the forums and came to Twitter because it was a free open space where you could say whatever you wanted.
5: Yeah, yep. Yeah, horrible.
4: Absolutely horrible. Horrible. The whole thing. Ugh. I can still remember that. I can still. Do you know when I see that image, that album cover, that painting? I still get a physical reaction, like a, a churning in my gut. Just yeah. Just me the, too.
5: brings back those horrible feelings.
4: Awful. Yeah. Those
1: yeah. I mean, that picture arseholes. is like.
5: Yeah, that picture is representative of that album, and that album is a fraud. I mean, there's, I, yeah, I'll never ever be able to look at that that painting, that album, and and feel anything other than the same kind of gut reaction that I had when I first heard breaking news. It's like it, it's going to be stuck with me forever.
4: Do you know? I can't even remember how that song goes. It's, but I think you know, I listened to it two or three times that day like, trying to process the confusion. I don't even remember how the song goes. I just refuse to listen to it at all.
1: I listen to it every once in a while to make sure I'm not crazy.
5: I do too. That's the weirdest (laughs) thing. I always go back and go, you know what? Like, it's been eight years. Like, am I just totally, like, batshit crazy? Like, am I deaf? (laughs) Am I, like, like, what's wrong with me? Like, there's no way that Sony could possibly have put out yeah. And this is me having researched this for 8 years. Some of the some of the discoveries that I've made which I haven't yet published are just absolutely mind-blowing. Like it's it's there's no question that that that's not Michael's voice. But I still go back to it and and play it and make sure that it's not him. Just so crazy. So on
1: that note, when when are we getting this book?
5: Well, the book is kind of, you know, when you write a book about something, you want it to be all-encompassing and there's a whole new chapter, I guess, if you want to use a book term, that has now unfolded and is continuing to unfold and is not resolved, which you would need to cover in a book. The case. The, the lawsuit, I mean, mm-hmm. and there's no mm-hmm. saying how long that's going to drag on for. So, for me, I don't think... I mean, if you're writing the comprehensive, all-encompassing book about the Casio tracks and the Michael album, then it would be remiss to think that you were in a position to publish it with a big, big, big part of the story still completely unresolved. So, I mean... I agree with you. And there's there's not
4: a time limit on this thing. Like, you know, yes, of course, the fans want the story to be exposed. But the point is, you're not really doing it for the fans, are you? You're doing it for Michael.
5: Yeah, doing it for history's sake and the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing is so that um, if somebody ever hears about this in the future, that there's a reference point. Like At the moment, if you hear fake Michael Jackson songs got released in 2010, like I said earlier with the pulling together of all the information and, and putting it in one place so people can study Michael, there's no way that you can learn about this. There's no thing that you can say look go and listen to this or go and watch this or go and read this about the Casio tracks where you can learn all of the details so that's why I started like investigating it and um have continued to to push forward with investigating it and although the investigation technically could be considered complete now I think the discoveries that have been made and the evidence that's been collected is you know it's conclusive. The lawsuit needs to run its course, and there needs to be that needs to be resolved before it, the whole story can be told. Because there's no saying what's going to go on with the lawsuit. The lawsuit could be settled tomorrow if Sony decide to go. You know what? We can't be bothered to continue to fight with the fans about this. We acknowledge that it's not him. We're going to remove the songs from sale. We're going to take the songs off Michael's discography, and we're going to refund anybody who feels that they want their money back for the songs they could decide to do that tomorrow and then you know then we can talk about getting the book done because then we know what that resolution is but because it's part of the story and because it could go on for another couple of years it could go to trial there could be discovery there could be you know new evidence that comes out and discovery that even I haven't got yet that would be it would impact the narrative that I could put together and that piece that we refer people to when we talk about where are we going to go to study this issue about the fake songs so, in saying that, it, it the lawsuit needs to run its course, it needs to resolve one way or the other, and then that can be published. But I, uh, I am working on something else that I'm hoping to get out a lot sooner, um, even before the lawsuit is resolved. So, keep your eyes and ears, especially your ears, peeled for that, and... Yeah, I'll tell you more when I can, but there's no point talking about it while it's not really a thing. So once it's ready to go, I'll, I'll talk about it.
1: Deciding. Mm. Well, on that note, fellas, I'm going to head off and uh, make a tea and go for a walk. And uh, thank you very much for joining.
5: No awesome. worries.
4: It's what a pleasure. Great. Yeah, it's really been awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, love you guys. No
1: worries, dude. Love you. Love you. <laughs>
4: A
7: cast.